Previously on Jay and Mitchell's The OC Podcast. Ryan and Luke. Oh, no! Mr. Bendis, they're enemies! I think we got an episode on our hands. Carson's being like really hard on himself. He's like, I just didn't want to hurt anybody. And now he's up there hurting. And I think it's best if I just disappear. And Sandy fucking Cohen. (laughs) Sometimes you gotta be a dad to other dads. (laughs) It's time for J.N. Mitchell's The O.C. Podcast. A jolly holiday. Hello to you, the listener. My name is Jay Howell. His name is Mitchell Hardage. Hey, what's up? Merry Christmas. And this is Jay and Mitchell's The OC Podcast. We always have to say this is the podcast where we talk about the OC, but you would assume that from the title of our podcast, you would know that. But that's what we do. And, um, You know what? You might be saying, Jay, it's August and you're throwing out holiday hellos. Are you are you off your rocker? Uh, Did you did you flip your lid? Um, Did you fly the cuckoo's nest? And look, I know here right now it's August. Unless you're listening to this at a later date. But this week in Newport Beach, tis the fucking season. It's Christmaka! Woo! Mitchell, I am so filled with the holiday spirit right now. How are you? Oh, I'm full of it as well. I'm full of it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm excited to... Get into our first Christmaka. First of many. Well, first I guess one. just they, first they do of four. one every season, so I I think this will be one of four. Yep. Um so <laughs> not he, too many. Here we go. But let's we got some, some it's a special episode, you know, it's it's the holiday episode. And we thought here at the whole team at Jay and Mitchell's the OC podcast <laughs> thought that uh we should have a guest on. Because the holidays are all about bringing people together. And this is no exception. So I'd like to introduce to you right now my colleague and friend, famed art director, Rachel Plattner. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you this for being with us. Oh, Merry, the honor is all on this Thank side you. of the Zoom screen. Yes, Merry Christmas to you. Um, is it merry or happy? I think that's when, open to interpretation. Okay. I will say, I took a note. I just showed my cards <laughs> as to which holiday I have uh, partaken in every year that I've yes. been alive. Yes, yeah, so Jay and I grew up in Christmas households, but to get the full <laughs> spectrum of the Christmaka experience, you can't have... Chrismica without the the mucka, the ukka. <laughs> and that's where Rachel comes in. I'm the mucka, um, a.k.a. <laughs> your resident Jewish person, here to advocate for the, the Seth Cohens of the world. The Seth Cohens, the Sandy Cohens. 
Um, unfortunately, uh, an underrepresented minority in Newport, but what do you expect? It's a real waspy town over there. Yeah, I was, I was pleased to see this represented on such a national stage. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an interesting thing that the Christmas and Hanukkah mashup, I'd never really seen it before the OC. Granted, this was, you know, nearly 20 years ago, but I, I'd never seen an attempt to mash the two holidays together until Seth Cohen did this. Uh, in your experience, Rachel, had you ever come across anything like Chrismica before the OC? Yeah, I actually, in retrospect, we just, my best friend growing up was half Jewish and we referred to it as being a halfie. <laughs> and we had never heard the term Chrismica until the OC. So I give them full credit for coining the holiday that I think many were already celebrating. Yes. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I, I wondered, you know, cause we've, we've often sort of thought, uh, like wondered that, you know, Josh Schwartz creator of the show is often, uh, you know, we, we think that, you know, he's the Seth Cohen of, of the show. Like he, he kind of wrote himself from into that character. Yeah, yeah. He grew up in a, in a Southern California, wealthy town and so I'm wondering maybe if he also like had a, a Jewish parent and a Christian parent and he kind of did both holidays. Um, I did see, according to the uh, Chrismica Wikipedia um, uh, article, uh, it was popularized by the OC, the term Chrismica. So. Wow, how about that? You see it, you see it in culture. It's permeating this show. You know, people don't talk about it much anymore, but it's it's made a lasting impact in a lot of ways. And that's it's, why we're here. It's <laughs> true. I really had to go back and and see if there was a time before Chrismica, the word, existed in my life. And I, I couldn't remember it. It just fit so seamlessly. So it's thank a, you, Josh Schwartz. Yeah. <laughs> if it, to go back to the last episode, it's sort of a it's a portmanteau. It's a it's a yogalatis yes. of of holidays. Yes, but I, I use the word mashup, but portmanteau is much more uh, grammatically. Uh, it's it's a smarter word. It's a that's like a three dollar word right there. I know four smart words, and one of them is that. So I'll I'm fucking throwing that in <laughs> any chance I get. Yes, ride that one all day. Um, uh, Rachel, um, just for for the audience and for our sake, um, could you? Just go into a little bit about um, your relationship with the OC. Like, did you watch it while it was while it was airing, or is it something that you're super familiar with? Yeah, so I did watch it when it first came out in 2003. I was in high school, um, and as a Jewish girl growing up in the South, I have to say I felt a great kinship to the Cohen family. Obviously, was not growing up in the uh, wealthy suburbs of Los Angeles. But um, yeah, it's been near and dear to my heart ever since then. And I think I've probably rewatched it every couple of years since, um, maybe like three or four times. And it's truly like comfort food to me. If I'm feeling down, I know what episode will, will cure that for me. Yeah, awesome. I, think that's, I think that's why we, why we started watching it when, when the quarantine 
started because <laughs> it was a it was a very it's a very troubling time, a very uncertain time and and at some point you're just looking for yeah, something that that feels comfortable and we, I feel like we hadn't watched it since our original or I personally hadn't watched it since our original viewing in college um which was a little little after the fact but um it was really nice just yeah revisiting these characters in this world in this time period it was uh it's a it's a good time all around so you so you watch you pick it up every couple of years you said yeah i like to like to refresh like to see how it's aged and i feel like it's aged pretty well save for the somewhat questionable fashion choices of the early 2000s. <laughs> I think the the character arcs are strong as ever. Yeah, I was I was I was a little nervous going into the first episode when we agreed to to do this podcast worrying that it wouldn't hold up, but by the, you know, the 5 minute marker, I was hook line sinker. I was like all in on this uh on this show and I was I was extremely pleased to to learn that absolutely Um, so aside from the oc how 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 have your um your holidays been traditionally uh you celebrate hanukkah i celebrate hanukkah um which does not always fall on christmas so sometimes you know i will we will have had the holiday and then christmas comes around and literally everyone I know is doing Christmas things with their family. And I have that, okay, um, you know, lonely Jew on Christmas moment when mm. then my family goes out for Chinese food and we, we do our own thing. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's, it's the classic Hanukkah, eight nights. Um, we do not do gifts every night. That's a little extravagant. But um, yeah, yeah, we like to light say- the menorah and, and sing a little prayer. That's cool. Um, yeah, I was gonna say eight gifts is quite a lot. I'm lucky. I'm lucky if my parents give me one gift. Oh, totally. My parents discovered that early on that they were not about to create <laughs> children who were expecting uh, top dollar <laughs> gifts for eight nights in a row. So it was a lot of like donations to a charity of your choosing, and here are some arts and craft supplies, and go go have at it. I mean, that's cool. And and as far as um, the traditions of Hanukkah, like, I mean, for, forgive us for for not knowing more, but you know, we we grew up in 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 Christmas houses. You know, we have the tree. You've got lights on the house. You've got caroling and wassail and all this crap. Um, did what? It, what? What like traditions did your family have that that maybe weren't even like? Jewish traditions, but may have just been traditions specific to your family. Well, first of all, I would like to know what wassail is. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Oh, I got to get you some wassail, Rachel. Wassail out there. Wassail. I mean, I should have said eggnog. I feel like that's the more generic uh, alcoholic holiday drink. But yeah, wassail is like a hot alcoholic beverage. Okay. Okay. With you. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So for Hanukkah. I would say key moments include um, making latkes, which are essentially mm. Jewish hash browns. Love latkes. Fry them up. Little potato pancake, delicious. With a little applesauce and or sour cream. Um, 
different families have different things, but we kind of do a little bit of both. Um, and dreidel, which is a spin the top game um, in each side means you win a different number of chocolate coins, also known as gelt. Um, so we like to play this with our non-Jewish friends and get them really um, confused and impressed by spinning a top <laughs> that has Jewish letters on it. Yes. Um, Rachel, you're really good. You're really good at that dreidel. You hustling people on the dreidel. It's it's it sounds more impressive than it is when you play for about two rounds. You realize how rudimentary of a game it is. But you're like, we can just eat this chocolate. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't need to gamble. It's like yeah, more of a hyped up thing than it really is. Um, yeah. So the yeah the latkes and dreidel, and then I have to say, Chinese food on Christmas is kind of a staple of the holiday season for me. Now, if I don't get that, I'm like, it, it ain't Christmas. <laughs> That's become a tradition as well. I think yep. um, Seth even mentions that in this episode about getting getting Chinese food on Christmas. I think he's talking about like when Sandy was a kid growing up in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's definitely uh, a big New York thing. Cool. Um, well, awesome. Well, if you guys will join me, let's take a little trip. Wait. Okay. Oh, right. Of course. <laughs> this is exciting <laughs> for me. I know. <laughs> Before we get into it, this is the first time we've done the game with a guest. Rachel, we we do this game uh, almost every episode. Uh, everybody loves it. Um, I, I think you'll enjoy it, too. Are you familiar with um, the star and creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda? Sure. Okay, perfect. Because we're about to play How Tall is Lin-Manuel Miranda? How tall is Lin-Manuel Miranda? Okay. So, I'm going to ask each of you how tall Lin-Manuel Miranda is. Rachel, you are the guest, so you can go First or second, but I would recommend you go second and then you say whatever Mitchell says. <laughs> I will go second. Thank you. Excellent choice. Okay. Mitchell Hardage. Yeah. <clears throat> How tall is Lynn Manuel Miranda? Oh boy. Okay. Well, we're in August now, you know, summer's winding down. I heard that in the winter, you know, everything shrinks. The molecules get closer together. So, science. It's science. So maybe Lin Manuel is on the cusp of getting shorter. But right now, I'd say he's maxing out. Probably around five foot nine. Okay, so Mitchell says five foot nine. Rachel. Same question to you, and keep in mind that we play this game almost every week, so Mitchell is pretty much aware of how tall Lin-Manuel Miranda is. <laughs> Do, is, there a, is there a winning for this game? Um, yeah, you'll get a um, gelt. Oh, great, great, great. Um, I'm going to have to go with 5'9". It's like a well-resourced researched answer. Okay. I'm opening up the envelope. Oh, man. The results are in. Mitchell, Rachel. Ding, 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 ding. You're both right. We did it. 
Congratulations! It's a Christmaca miracle. <laughs> wow. I always wanted to know how tall Lynn Manuel Miranda was. Uh, d- now I mean, you know. Now you know. Back to you, Mitchell. All right. Well, thanks for the, the sidebar. Love that game. And everybody else at, <laughs> listening at Can home. Can I just say, also- Mitchell, you're getting really good at that game. Thanks, man. I mean, you know, I practice... You know, every week when we're not on the air, I practice. So, <laughs> I really like how you took the seasons into consideration. That was a good, logical train of thought that I was really here for. Thank you, Rachel. Yes, it's it, it, it's become you know it's sort of a it's it's more of an art than a science determining Lin Manuel's height. But uh, at this point, I'm on a roll. I feel like I've gotten the last maybe three out of four correct. I uh, just so you know, I I get my information from every morning he stands in a doorway and marks his height, and then he <laughs> takes a picture of it and Instagrams it. Yeah, yeah. You should Always follow. Always the same. Is it's this true? Line. It's a very thick line. Yeah. Oh God. Um. So shall we? Shall we go to the OC? Yes. It's December. The snow's falling. Just kidding. It's always nice weather in Newport Beach. Let's dive in. Guys, this is episode 13 of season one. The best Christmaca ever. Would you agree with that title? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I was trying to remember, quick. yeah, the other Christmaca episodes. And this one's... It's a good episode. I really enjoy it. But in terms of like what happens, I feel like other seasons have stronger, but they didn't know at the time because this is season one. So that's true. Um, I would say maybe I've, be I've just expressed be- how I feel about the best blank ever statement in general. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm sick of it. Uh, it's played but out. I'll let it slide when it's Christmaca. Of course. Maybe it's the best Christmaca ever up until this point. Because it's Ryan's first Christmaca with the Coens. Did did you guys also cry when he put his stocking up at the very end, or was that just? I me? I'll get to when I cried. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. There's of, a lot of emotions in this, this yeah, episode. There's a lot of breaks. Um, this episode got an eight point seven on IMDb, which is a very high rating for any show. Um, like like Have we you were. Ever- have yeah. you ever, or do you have to be like an IMDb member to rate stuff, or can anybody just go on and rate it? Don't know. Never, never tried to rate anything on there. Me neither. Um, I don't have that mindset of like, I just saw this movie. I got to go on IMDb. I, the people need to know. I'm not one to like write reviews much. Rachel, do you do that? Do you like leave feedback on Amazon or anything? No, which I feel like is wrong because I definitely consume a lot of that information. Uh, yeah. But no, unless something was terribly wrong, I don't feel <laughs> the need to leave a review. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I just like, I, I, left, I missed the, yeah, go ahead. I, I left one towards the beginning of the pandemic. I bought a jump rope on Amazon um, for, for, to stay healthy and the first time I used it, it broke. And I was like, first time I got, I got to go on Amazon. I know I'm not good at jump roping, but I'm, 
shouldn't this shouldn't have broken. You're like, did I you know leave I didn't a scathing review of the jump rope? I mean, it was short, but it was to the point. I said, "That's good. That's what reviews should be." This broke the first time I used it. Don't buy this jump rope. Boom. Done. One star. Next jump rope. And if I could remember the brand name, I would fucking call him out right now on this podcast, but mm-hmm. I don't. Well, we'll look into that and add it to the description <laughs> of this episode. We can't be having <laughs> these jump rope con men. I could have been seriously products. injured. Yeah. Yeah. Jump ropes need to be made well. There's a high risk of injury there. <laughs> you wouldn't buy a car that would blow up the first time you cranked it up. I think I even made a noise when it broke. I think I was like, ah! <laughs> oh, jeez. startled me. That's traumatic. You probably got PTSD. You should sue them. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so this episode, yeah, very high rating. This is riding, riding high on, on a string of episodes that have received high ratings on IMDb. Um, however, Possibly the last of them. Yeah, the I was going to say, the end of this episode alludes to maybe not the best run of OC episodes. And we'll get to why later. Um, it was directed by Sanford Bookstaver, who also directed The Escape, the famed Tijuana or infamous Tijuana episode of the OC. And um, he's done a bunch of TV, so TV director. Uh, this one's written by Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage. Stephanie Savage, I think, is Josh Schwartz's producing and writing partner. She's been attached to Gossip Girl, Nancy Drew, Dynasty. Um, which to Alan Dale, Caleb Nickel, is also in Dynasty, which is a Josh Schwartz-created show. And um, so you got the dream so, like, team going did here. Did they reboot Dynasty, or are we talking about like the old, oh, super they, old They TV rebooted show. it. Fun okay. fact, that's where uh, my name came from, Mitchell. My parents were watching Dynasty and saw the credits rolling, and one of the producers' name was Mitchell, and they thought... Oh, that's a fun name. Let's name our kid that. <laughs> wow, it really left an impact. <laughs> yep, that's where my name came from. Um, so yeah, I'd say you've got you've got kind of like uh, you've got a really solid crew here, um, and we jump right in on the previously on, and we we see Marissa's drinking. We see Tijuana. We see Marissa's troubles. Uh, from previous episodes we also see a glimpse of the balboa heights suit that sandy and caleb are entangled in with each other and then again we see some summer seth and a love triangle stuff so this is all kind of alluding to what we can expect from this chrismica episode so the episode opens in the cohen's living room with seth and ryan seth's wearing a christmas sweater and he's asking Ryan to choose between a candy cane and a menorah. <laughs> and I, I, th- I, I kind of want to do something just for this episode because it happens so often. And, and I know we didn't talk about this beforehand. So if you You're don't make have... us choose between a candy cane and a menorah. Well, that's obvious menorah. <laughs> you can't eat a menorah. That's but true. you can set it on fire. <laughs> um, every time Seth Cohen does a a Christmas Hanukkah mashup, and he does it a lot in this episode, we need a drop. And I think the drop should be l- like at the end of this episode when Sandy Cohen is talking about, 
over the top, the Sylvester Stallone movie. Arm wrestling classic. Arm wrestling classic. Arm wrestling classic. He does a he does a really great Sylvester Stallone impression. I think that should be the drop. But how do you guys feel about that? Hundred percent. It's a special episode. Okay, here we go. It's not going to make sense, but it, it'll be fun. <laughs> so yeah, he says menorah or candy cane. That's our first one. Boom, drop it. Arm wrestling classic. Um, and then Ryan responds with, uh, "I'm not." And then Seth cuts him off. Now, I'm wondering what Ryan was about to say there. I'm not Jewish. I'm not religious. What, what do you I'm think? I'm not a fan of peppermint. <laughs> yeah. My guess is I'm not really into the holidays. Right. Which is a good guess because that's kind of his whole thing this episode. <laughs> kind of I was, in this scene, I was like, at some point... Ryan's going to talk about how Christmas at the Atwood house isn't, wasn't a pleasant time. And he did. Of course he did. Just like in Thanksgiving, where he's like, we didn't really celebrate Thanksgiving. I wonder if like, like, hey, Debbie Downer, you're a Cohen now. Yeah. You celebrate two holidays, portmanteaued into one. Get in the spirit, motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's a thing with this episode in particular is that they kind of more so than other episodes they like reintroduce characters who what their motivations are where they're coming from because i think for this christmas episode slash hanukkah episode they're probably attracting casual viewers they're not you this isn't like a deep cut hardcore oc fan episode this is like casual viewing like oh that popular show is doing a christmas episode let's check that out like that's what most people are saying probably so i wish yeah. I wish when Seth had said candy cane and menorah, Ryan would go, I mean, I'm just a kid from Chino. <laughs> My brother and I stole a car. Like, he gives his whole backstory. <laughs> and then says, like, yeah, dude, I know. I know. You're like my brother. I know where you're <laughs> We have established this, Ryan. Thank you. Get right. on board. <laughs> so, um, and Seth then he says, looks at the camera and winks. <laughs> yeah. Over his shoulder. So, Seth... <laughs> Seth introduces Ryan to Chrismica. He says, you don't have to choose. You can have both. Seth made it up. It's a new holiday. Sandy and Kirsten enter with a huge Christmas tree. Ryan runs over to help Sandy set it up. Seth kind of like directs. Like he's enthusiastic, but not very helpful. Uh, Kirsten says to Ryan, we didn't really know how to raise Seth. And I thought that got that gave me a laugh. I love it when when Kirsten gets a laugh (laughs) (laughs) she's like he's he's strange he's special but also in this scene it's like from the jump like she says that and then from that moment on they sandy and kirsten are just like we do chrismica like they Mm -hmm. don't they don't question anything about it they're just like this is the holiday that we do now like ever since seth came up with it now this is our holiday and we we don't make a weird face after we say it like it's the holiday we do yeah it's just one more reason that i'm like they're the fucking best parents in the whole best family yeah and i don't think they gave them enough credit for coining it i mean they're just like this is seth's holiday but like this is a big deal it's a huge deal (laughs) we're bridging like two religions together we're bridging two big big holidays together cultural divide yeah this is amazing. 
this is what the holidays are all about, literally. <laughs> so um, Seth reminds the audience that Sandy is Jewish and Kirsten is a wasp. And in his explanation of, you know, why Christmas is what it is. So um, he says that it is eight days of presents followed by one big day of presents. <laughs> Which, Which, Rachel, when you were saying uh, that you guys didn't do presents every day, I thought about Seth saying this and I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is a great this is a great holiday for someone who just wants a fuck ton of presents because it's essentially nine days of presents. (laughs) I do slightly resent him framing it in that way because it just makes it sound like it's the holiday for anyone who's like present hungry and doesn't get enough on one holiday. So get two, but that's not what it's all about, man. Not about the gifts. I don't know. Maybe that was his plan all along just to get the most presents. (laughs) It very well could have been. I did. I did note that this more, the more I hear about Christmas cup, in this opening scene, the more it sounds like a holiday that only Seth can reasonably celebrate because he does have a Jewish parent and he does have a Christian parent and the family is loaded. Like they have so much like any other family, like middle-class American family, even if they, you know, like regardless of the religions of the parents, like that's a lot to ask of your parents. Give me at least nine presents. Probably 10 or 11. Well, it's it's the thing of like, well, if one night of presents is just like a pair of socks, then you're like, okay, I can probably stretch this out. We can probably make this yeah. work. But I'm assuming if it's, you know, the Coens who live in a ginormous mansion, I'm guessing it's more than socks every night. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably something pretty big every night. It's a new PlayStation game, at least. At least they need one. All they do is play that one game. I know he's going to clean up this Christmaca. <laughs> so at this, this point- was a good. This was a good scene for Seth because all we've done the last like two episodes is like hated him and, and all of his like dirt baggery that he's pulling with uh, Anna and Summer. Yeah. And so uh, this was a nice scene to be like, oh yeah, this is why I like this guy. He like is really excited about this and. You can, it's, it was good. It was a good scene for him. Yeah. I'm kind of hot and cold with, with Seth, this watch through. I remember when we originally watched the show, uh, we were all team Seth all the time, but now, you know, 2020 being, being the, the woke year that it is, (laughs) we see, you note some, some flaws in his character along the way. Rachel, how do you feel about Seth Cohen? I mean, I am in love with him. (laughs) <laughs> he is my my dream man, but I definitely agree with what you're saying that I think 2020 Seth Cohen would maybe treat women a little differently. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I and so. he is he is also endlessly Rachel charming. in high school. Mitchell and I were um, aside from how he treats women, we were a couple of Seth Cohens in in our uh, death cab for cutie listening and uh, collared shirts and sweater combos. Yeah, we definitely aligned with with him more than any other character on this show. You guys weren't I like I was, rugged I I chino boys. Mm-mm. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't even do a pull up. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Ryan does like 20 before breakfast. So at this point, the Coens foolishly 
ask Ryan if there were any Atwood traditions he would like to incorporate into this holiday season. And My Ryan dad would chain smoke and read Twas the Night Before Christmas. <laughs> and every night, you know, he would he would flick a cigarette at me or something. And whoever it hit didn't get presents that Christmas. Yep, whoever it hit, like whoever two people it hit, had to fight each other. <laughs> so Ryan, and I'm sorry, we're making light of of Ryan's troubled past, but I mean, at this point, he just he like we get it. He he had a shitty childhood, and and it's terrible, but he's in a good place now. He's doing but yeah, great now. I, and 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 you would think at this point the Coens would know better. You'd think at this point they would just be like, "Oh, maybe let's not ask him about holidays at the Atwoods because it probably wasn't any different than any other time at the." Atwoods. Here's what you do if you're Kirsten: you go Ryan, Christmas, not mm. probably not good. Was it good? Probably not good. Okay, that's fine. Not good. We let's don't... move on. It's Christmas <laughs> now. Christmaca. Um. So yeah, Ryan reminds the audience and again this is just exposition for the casual viewer that um he had a he had a bad childhood wrong side of the track sort of thing there was drinking there was fighting um ryan gets kind of bummed after he kind of i guess reminisces on his his holidays growing up and and seth drops a uh oi humbug i'm listening classic uh-huh. which uh-huh. is a portmanteau there yep. we go. Arm wrestling classic. <laughs> Arm wrestling classic. Arm wrestling classic. Um, Seth says, uh, soon Ryan will know the magic of Christmaca. And, and that kind of seems like his arc. Like he's trying to, for this episode, he's trying to get Ryan on board with the holidays. Because, you know, in his past, Ryan has had pretty shitty holidays. So reasonable that he would react the way he's he, he is to it, but Seth's trying to convert him. He's trying to get him on board with it. So then we get the opening credits, and then we come back from commercial on the pool house. Yeah? Just uh, because we wouldn't be Jay and Mitchell's The OC Podcast if we didn't uh, overanalyze everything. Oh, yeah. Um, Luke is in the opening credits in this episode, which I think is the first time. Uh, not in this episode at all. Like it was That's a weird... true, yeah. I think they like... They lock down top billing. It's probably like a SAG thing, like a Screen Actors Guild thing. But yeah, they lock down top billing, do the opening credits. I think they maybe thought Luke was going to be a bigger character than he ended up being. But like put him in the opening credits in the last episode when it was like his episode. Like he was the main dude in that last episode. Right. Now, Now I think it's, I mean, they're kind of playing around with these these secondary characters a little bit and who's showing up for what episode. Um, Rachel Bilson doesn't get yeah. a call out. She's like kind of like listed when they come back from commercial and they start throwing credits up at the bottom of the screen. And she's like been in ev- way more episodes than Luke, way more screen time than Luke. So, and Luke will come back. And I love it when he does yes. come back. But uh, but yeah, you're right. No Luke in this episode. However, he's in the opening credits. Let's go to the pool house. Seth is wrapping presents. Ryan enters, still not in the spirit. Seth got the same same presents for Anna as he did Summer. I see you 
shaking your head, Rachel. <laughs> this was this a bad idea? <laughs> such a major faux pas, Seth Cohen. Like getting two women who you know know each other in real life, the exact same gift that you're calling the Seth Cohen starter pack is <laughs> one classic selfish Seth Cohen move, but yeah. also totally insulting to these very unique women that he is interested in. Yeah. And that, and and yes, I completely agree with you there. Also the yeah, the fact that these two people couldn't be more different. Like Anna and Summer into totally different things. Like I would say that the package of what I wrote it down. Where is it? Death Cab, the Shins, Bright Eyes, Cavalier and Clay, and the Goonies. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> you also wrote it down. Um I would say that's more catered to Anna. Because Anna I would Seth, say that Anna probably already has all that shit. You're also probably right, unless it's like some kind of like rare, like B side mixtape that the Shins did or something. But right, yeah, you're probably right. She's a she's a cultured person, and she's very much like in Seth's wheelhouse. Like that's what that's the dilemma of of Summer and Anna. It's like Anna's like the same as me, but Summer's like the girl I've been in love with since fifth grade. And and that's why he can't choose between the two. Um, this, uh, this did, uh, and this is like going back and rewatching this show and be like, I was like Seth Cohen when I was in high school. I would, uh, definitely push my music that I liked on girls that I liked. And it was like, I made you a mixtape. And part of it was like, I want to give you a gift. But there was a part that was like, I hope you like this because you really, and if you don't, you should. Otherwise, I don't think it's going to work between us. Did you get it? Did you get it? (laughs) That Bright Eyes song, did you like? Did you get it though? Did you get it? (laughs) And I like rewatching, I was like, oh yeah, I was dumb in 16 once. I mean, it's just pretty sure I did this. (laughs) It's a very like kind of immature way to give a gift. It's say like, "What do I love? I'm going to give that to you." (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Let's run down the list and see how well these things have aged. Death Cab for Cutie. How are we feeling about them in 2020? Still a fan. Still a fan. I think they're yeah. I think they're still a good band. Still putting out good tunes. Ben Gibbard uh, has been doing like acoustic uh, recordings during the pandemic, like a live stream thing. And he did such great heights, and he dedicated it to the postal service, the actual postal service. Perfect. Uh, And I was like, "Fuck! All right, I'm on board." Yeah, that's (laughs) that's great. I didn't love their last album, but I'm still a fan of of the of most Death Cab for Cutie songs. And then we got Bright Eyes. How are we feeling about Bright Eyes in 2020? New album coming out in like a week. Wow. Rachel, you familiar with Bright Eyes? Back back for more. (laughs) I'm here for it. Cool. And then we have The Shins. I think this this is probably like my favorite thing on this list. I think The Shins are a great band. Even though they haven't really done much lately, right? They had had like one album kind of recently. But James Mercer. I think it's mostly that guy, the singer. James think, Mercer, right? That's his name? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Who's the guy from LCD Sound System? James Jay- Murphy. Murphy. Okay. Yeah. Close. Um, what if they teamed up? The Jameses. LC- 
<laughs> LCD shins. <laughs> I'd listen to it. Uh, yeah, no, they, he's, I think he's had different members kind of come in and out of the band, but he's kind of always the constant. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The shins are still great. Love the shins. Cavalier and Clay. I know you read that book, Jay, but I, I never read it. What's it all about? Uh, you, you read it, Rachel? I have a copy on my shelf that I've admittedly never read. <laughs> <laughs> That's every book on my shelf. <laughs> That's most of my... Cavalier and Clay is one of the few books that I did actually read. Um, it was when I was like 20, so I don't remember all that much of it. It's like two, I want to say cousins. Uh, they... One lives in New York and the other one moves from like somewhere in Europe and they're kind of into magic. And I'm sorry if all of this is wrong, but this is what I kind of remember. (laughs) This is another reason I don't read books is I don't retain information very well. Um, But I remember really liking it. I, I, I would probably enjoy it if I reread it right now. Right on. So Seth Cohen's he's he's like batting a thousand so far. And then the Goonies, which I feel like is still a good movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but Yeah, but classic. we watched Stranger Things kinda recently. Yeah, it's basically it's the, same, the thing. same thing. <laughs> good point. Um Rachel Goonies opinions, hot takes. Also, admittedly I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fine. It's it's a fun movie. It's yeah, it's like a Steven Spielberg produced kind of big easy kids movie it's fun yeah um and then okay so great great package seth phrasing um however yeah maybe maybe think about the person you're getting the gift for and then tailor the gift for them it was obvious in his mind he was like i have to get them the same thing Right, because based upon their reactions might help me decide which one I want to be my girlfriend. It's like a it's a constantly competition with in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ryan wisely says, "Bad move, Seth. Don't get, don't do that." Um, and when Ryan asks, uh, Seth seems like he's a bad liar, telling him that he didn't get Ryan anything. You know, like Ryan's like, did you did you get me something or or whatever? Or like we said no presents, which like when did that come up? When did we say no presents? Like get get each other presents. It's fine. But Seth's kind of like, I didn't get you anything. I'm like, okay, we'll see. So then we go over to the Cohen's kitchen. The he boys got, he got Ryan a Seth Cohen starter pack as well. He just- yeah. <laughs> well, he does he does give them to different people than for whom they are. Uh, signed uh yeah. we'll get to it so we'll we it. we go over to the kitchen uh kirsten's making a chrismica list and asks for ryan's shoe size and then ryan said to i thought you- ryan <laughs> yeah. ryan goes why why do you want to know my shoe size <laughs> he's so suspicious and angry why we said no gifts it's like have you been paying attention that's what this whole episode is about <laughs> um and then uh, Ryan's like, I thought you guys said no gifts. To which I'm like, why? You're rich. Who cares? Get him gifts. And then Kirsten's like, no, we said no gifts between me and Sandy? I don't get I it. I think they meant like 
don't get Sandy and Kirsten gifts. Oh, like the kids don't, who don't okay. have jobs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're fucking rich. They're giving Ryan and, and Seth gifts. Totally. At least nine. <laughs> Wouldn't be Christmas without it. <laughs> <laughs> so Sandy enters. Um, he's getting off the phone and he says, well, Christmas is ruined. And uh, because Caleb doesn't want to settle, they were trying to settle this out of court. Caleb wants to go to trial about the Balboa Heights. Um, so Sandy's got to work through the holiday. Um, Seth says, don't give up on the Christmas miracle. You'll see. You'll see. You'll all see. And then he kind of maniacally drinks from his coffee cup. That gave me a good laugh. The way he gets so creepy in that moment is <laughs> just delightful. That's just Adam Brody doing his I thing. I enjoyed man. when Sandy goes, well, Chris is ruined. And Seth goes, ah, <laughs> I, I laughed very hard at that. <laughs> but then he also said, uh, Chris, it has twice the resistance of any normal holiday, which I think is the only time they say it here. But in season two on the Chris episode, that's going to be a callback because they say it pretty much every Chris Oh, yeah. Well, it needs to be resilient because the drama that ensues <laughs> in Orange County is like, twice as much drama as any other place so yeah you got to have a resilient holiday it's a great line uh, yeah (laughs) so then we cut over to jimmy's with marissa she's helping jimmy pick between two of the same tie for a meet and greet jimmy comes down the stairs and goes okie dokie which tie (laughs) oh jimmy (laughs) jimmy's in a good mood right now um Jimmy feels inadequate for not being able to make Christmas special because, you know, he still doesn't have a job and stuff. And uh, Marissa reassures them that it's cool. Uh, She's being all like, you know, we can skip it this year. The holidays just make people depressed. And then Jimmy kind of gets real with her for a second. He's like, are you? I mean, you were supposed to go to therapy after Mexico and we never really. And then he just kind of trails off and Marissa's like, I'm fine. To me, this was like one of the most realistic things that has happened in this show. It's like this big traumatic thing happens and then, you know, Marissa's in the hospital, she recovers, and then at some point, like, they're like, you need to go to therapy. Like, this was, this scared everybody and we're all worried about you. And then life happens and they just forget to go to therapy. <laughs> but And they're bringing it up now. And this was like, this happened in the summer. This happened at the end of summer. A full semester has gone by and yeah. she didn't go to therapy. And I'm just like, that's kind of that's kind of what happens in life. It's like, you, you know you're supposed to do this thing and then life gets in the way and you don't really do the thing. And then months down the road, you're like, oh shit, maybe we should have done the thing. And I feel like that's that's what we're getting in this moment. I, um, it, cause it comes up later in the episode, um, when she gets caught stealing stuff from the mall, um, which we'll get to, but to me, it felt like in this scene, Jimmy was basically like, you know, we talked about you going to therapy, but we didn't really follow through with it. And then after she, you know, gets caught stealing when Julie shows up she's like, you're going to therapy and it's essentially therapy is your punishment. Right. And it it felt very like, oh yeah, I guess in 2003 that it wasn't 
so much of like, no, your mental health is important and everyone can benefit from therapy. But whereas it was like, you fucked up and this is, you fucked up during the summer and all you do is fuck up. So you're going to therapy. And right. I, I thought like now at, if you're a 16 year old, is therapy a punishment kind of thing? Or is it more of a, like, this will be good for you. And you're, you didn't do anything wrong. Kind of. Th- I, I was curious about that. I don't know any 16 year olds, so couldn't ask them. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think I think it was sort of the the national mentality at the time was that yeah, like like Marissa gets super like defensive whenever therapy is brought up, and I think it's like, and 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 we can talk about it later when we when we get to that scene. But yeah, it feels like it's more of Marissa just wants to be normal, and going to therapy is kind of admitting that something's wrong with you. And I think that's kind of the lens she's viewing it through, that, mm. that that she's messed up somehow. But she's just like, no, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I'm just, I'm just a normal kid. Um, but yeah, the, the therapy thing gets brought up quite a bit and actually culminates in Marissa going to therapy. So it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss later. Real quick, Rachel, therapy, punishment or help? <laughs> Very pro-therapy. Right on, me too. I'm like, I would be stoked to go to therapy for free. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, that'd be amazing. I want someone to send me to therapy. Damn. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Uh, I'm in the car. Let's go. Um, I do so, think because yeah. I I didn't start when I did go to therapy. It was until after high school, and I remember initially going to it and being like, uh, thinking it was like a punishment kind of thing, and then realizing mm-hmm. like, no, this is good probably could have started doing this earlier you know like, yeah i think that's but the I, thing. yeah what? it is it was you know 2003 it was like it, people called it a shrink you know it was not yeah exactly the same way that it is now so jimmy says we're not skipping christmas i'm gonna get a job everything will be fine he's like very reassuring jimmy's like super chipper and i I'll admit he's kind of cute in the scene. He's like, just the way he's like, he's just bouncing off the walls. He's very excited and he's, he's having fun with Marissa and she's kind of humoring him. Like it was like a nice moment for them. Father daughter moment. Uh, so then we cut over to Harbor. We're in the hallways with Seth and Ryan. Um, I guess there's a Christmas party. Cause they're talking about it. <laughs> going to yeah, a Christmas they didn't do a really great job. Usually, they will start off the scene, and it would be Seth and Ryan being like, "So Newport Group's throwing a Christmas party, and we yeah. both have to go." But they didn't really do that. They were just like, "So uh, you taking Anna to this party?" Just like you can assume. I think it's at this Christmas point, yeah, you can assume of, yeah. there's going to be an event or a party or something because there's literally one in every episode. Um. It's either a benefit or just a party. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so Ryan's asking Seth, like, are you taking Anna or Summer? And Seth's like, well, they're both going and I'm going, but we're not going to, I'm not going with either of them. Like, we're, we're kind of just all going independently and, and that's going to work out somehow. And Ryan is naturally skeptical. Um, but Seth is, quote, snowflakes and latkes. Drop it. Farmers and classic. <laughs> another another Farmers mashup. Classic. 
classic. Uh, so, so then Summer enters and asks Seth when he's going to pick her up for the party. And then on cue, Anna enters and asks him the same thing. Um, they, Seth and, or I'm sorry, Summer and Anna notice each other and Seth kind of attempts to diffuse this awkward situation and he, by saying, why don't we all ride separately? (laughs) Um, Anna and Summer seem kind of pissed off. They exit and Ryan's like, this isn't going to go well. And then Seth says, but I've got Jesus and Moses on my side. Arm wrestling classic. Another drop. He says two in one scene. Arm wrestling classic. Arm wrestling classic. <laughs> I have to say, though, Moses is not a Jesus equivalent, for the record. I was going to ask, ask about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we don't have one, so we just picked a notable figure, but right. wouldn't say they're equal. <laughs> Would you say there's a more prominent figure? In the uh, the old, t- I guess the Torah. Uh, I mean Abraham, God, maybe? <laughs> but God. it's not. It's yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I thought Moses was an interesting choice, but I guess like you've had Charlton Heston portray Moses on the big screen. I figure if like pop culture wise, he's probably probably one of the more prominent Jewish figures. People from know the, Moses from the scripture. Um. Right. People know Moses, but yes, I, I agree. He, he wasn't like <laughs> the son of God or anything. He was just a dude who got these commandments etched um, on stone. I, I was trying to figure out, because we've talked about how this whole storyline of Seth trying to choose between these two uh, young women, how it goes on for like way too long and we hate it. And it sucks. But I was trying to figure out like the the writers, like the, the people creating the show, did they think that like people would be like, I'm team Anna and I'm team Summer? Like, did they mm-hmm. think that like how did they see this go? How do you guys think that they thought thought this out when they were when they were writing it? Because it really I couldn't really draw any like positive stuff from and luckily by the end of this episode it kind of comes to an end but yeah. it just kind of is a bummer. Yeah. How'd to you me feel? it's not like picking Anna or Summer. It's almost like the same with Seth and Ryan. It's like are you more of an Anna or are you more of a Summer? Right, like, yeah. A, a watcher, a viewer is going to identify more with one of those mm-hmm. types of women. But like as, okay, so Rachel got to ask now, are you, are you an Anna or a Summer? Oh, definitely an Anna. When yeah. especially seeing her gift that she gives him, I was like, oh, this is 100% a gift I would have given a guy that I liked. Oh, definitely, yeah. So as an Anna. I, I dressed up as Wonder Woman once. For, <laughs> so, for so you're a Summer. Guess you're a Summer then. Summer, obviously. So as an Anna... Or somebody who kind of identifying with that character. How did you feel about the the whole love triangle thing that goes on from really like before Thanksgiving until now? Incredibly frustrating. I mean, <laughs> Seth strings these girls along for way longer than is necessary. And I think just the nature of them being in high school kind of allows it to progress in this 
gray area for as long as it does, but I'm glad that we finally see them put their foot down here and say, no, you got to make a choice. Yeah, I am too. I was like, cause the thing for me was it just, it just felt kind of like played out very quickly and yet they, they drag it on for several episodes and, and, and you're just like, come on, like how many, how many different, different ways can you like say the same thing essentially um so let's move on to well i guess we're in the newport group in this next scene i don't know because all all i see is a giant christmas tree being put up but yes we and i would like to a giant christmas tree and so from the makers of how tall is lin-manuel miranda comes (laughs) How tall is this Christmas tree? Oh my gosh. Do you have an answer for this? Did you research? I sure, I sure do. You do? Oh boy. It's one that I kind of had to eyeball it though. So. Oh really? It's not like listed I, on the OC <laughs> wiki or something? I looked it up. I couldn't find an answer, so I made one up. I just, whenever height is involved, yeah. I'm, I'm going to- You're all, you're all over it. <laughs> um, Rachel, do you want to go first or second? Uh, I have so little frame of reference for this that I don't think it's really going to matter. So I'll just throw out a number, which is 50 feet. 50 foot tree. I'm going to go. Are we doing prices right rules on this? Uh, maybe. Okay. One foot. (laughs) According to an answer that I made up while watching this episode. That Christmas tree is two Lin-Manuel Miranda's tall, (laughs) 11 and a half feet. (laughs) You both win. (laughs) (laughs) Or nobody wins. Nothing matters. (laughs) I mean, it's definitely taller than... The average man, which is exactly Lin Manuel Miranda's height. Yes. So you may very well. He's be anything right. but know. average, but when it comes to his height. Also, when exactly. I picture it, all I can see is they do like kind of a top-down shot. It's how they open the scene, and it's very difficult to determine how tall something is when it's all z-axis. It's all like, mm-hmm. hey, how tall is this? I uh, really like that shot though. Like Julie is like. Looking up at it at the star on the top and oh yeah, it's a great she, shot. She's dressed but it, in all white. They also like didn't establish where they were, and I was like, "Are they in the Cohen's backyard? Are they in Julie's backyard? Like, where the hell are we?" There is a shot of the building, but we've never seen yeah. the Newport Group from the outside. What is this we've building? only ever seen it from like the conference room, Kirsten's or office, or Caleb's office, or the um. That beautiful, uh, beautiful conference glass room. Glass conference room, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it is the Newport group. They're putting up a tree. Julie's kind of bossing people around as they put up like all these Christmas decorations for the party. Kirsten enters, and she suggests to Julie that they put the tree in the foyer because that's where her mom always put it. And Julie's like, nah, I want it here. Oh, and we're using your office <laughs> Julie as- says- Fuck your mom. Yeah, fuck your dead mom. Uh, I'm banging your dad. <sighs> what a night. She looks so much like a like a Disney villain in like that that scene later in Jimmy's. We'll get to it. Well, it's it's weird because you know the traditional like sort of 
good and evil. Cause like, like I said, like Julie's wearing all white. Kirsten walks in wearing like an all black pantsuit. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, clearly they're going to butt heads, mm. but it was just weird. Also the last time we saw them, they were like, well, there was one scene, but the last like main scene that we saw them, they were like bonding, eating were buddies. fried yeah. food and drinking beer. And then they kind of went back to, although Julie is like, passively aggressive like she's kind of sort like of that. she's saying it in a nice tone but she's basically being like i don't give a shit what you say mm, i'm in charge out here yeah um she also says that they're using kirsten's office as a holding area for the elves what the fuck never <laughs> never comes up again but no nope. what a weird line <laughs> yeah. i was so bummed we that we never saw the elves in this episode like there, there where are, did they yeah. go Rachel, there are so many scenes that they don't show us that we really want to see. I think the top one for us is seeing Sandy Cohen surf. Yes. Oh, yeah. Always coming home with a surfboard. Yep. Never. Kind of like yeah. wet, like sun, sun uh, bleached hair. <laughs> Not sun bleached, but you know what I'm saying. Like, like, like salty a ocean hair. Sandy Cohen? Are Can his eyebrows still dark or did they also get <laughs> the bleached? The eyebrows are pitch black. <laughs> Hair is blonde. Yeah, you always see them coming home. But yeah, this is another one. I want to see them elves. I want to see them just like chilling in, in Kirsten's office, like going through her drawers. Smoking. and Yeah, smoking <laughs> cigarettes and stuff, like just waiting for, for their time to go out. Um, So Kirsten's like being cordial to Julie, but you can tell she's pissed. Obviously, who wouldn't be? So then we go over to Caleb's office. Caleb and Kirsten enter. And Kirsten is trying to talk Caleb out of going to court with Sandy. <laughs> and um, Caleb ain't budging. And Kirsten's like, fuck you. I'm going on vacation. Like, I don't want to deal with this. You're in litigation with my husband. And it's the holidays. And I'm going to do something I've never done before and take a Christmas vacation. And I'm like, more power to you, Kirsten. Rachel, you should take some of Kirsten's advice. Actually, take a vacation. I'm trying. I know. <laughs> you work so much. Uh, but you got... Uh, Caleb does say a very... It's it's a line that Caleb and other villains would say, uh, which is, you can always get a little more blood out of the stone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're trying to settle out of court. They offered him something like $300 million. And he's like, no. I want more money. It really epitomizes who he is as a character. There's yeah. nothing more disgusting than a greedy, filthy rich person. He's such yeah. a Scrooge man, I tell you. Yeah, because I think it was like, they're, they're throwing a bunch of numbers out. I think it was like, they offered $250 million, And he was like, but I want $300 million. It was yeah. like, $250 million is so much money. So much money. <laughs> And as we learn, like, after, spoiler alert, Caleb dies, uh, he was, like, broke. Yeah. I'm like, take the fucking 250, man. That's a lot. <laughs> Even a lot. by today's standard. And this was 2003 money we're talking about. That's almost, like, $700 million at this point. With inflation in this economy. So then we go back to Harbor. We're in the hallways with Ryan and Marissa. And boy, I'll tell you, these two are such oi humbug bummers. 
Because Ryan... The scene starts with her saying, I hate Christmas. Yeah, I know. And it's like, you would really expect it. Well, I guess you kind of would expect it from these two. But it's just like, they're just like, oh, they're just like bumming me out. And then they get together and they're two bummers. But they're they're going to they're gonna spin it around. They're going to turn it around. It's going to be okay. So, you know, I get it. Like, Ryan, he hasn't had a good Christmas in the past. And Marissa is, you know, skeptical about this one being good because of her whole family situation. I get why they're not crazy about the holidays. Um, but, you know, it, so it makes sense. It's just kind of a bummer. But the... Um, Newport Christmas party is confirmed in this scene. So now we yes. we actually get like a definitive yes, the Newport group's having a Christmas party. This is the event that everybody's going to. They're both going. Um Marissa says, Well, hey, at least we'll be miserable together. That's kind of cute. That's kind of cute. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it was kind of it was like a moment where they're just like. Uh, it sucks, but like at least we're together. And I was just like, yeah, you guys love each other. Sure. This is fine. Also, like these kids, and it's happened every episode that there's a benefit or a party at one of their parents' house. These kids go to all these grown up parties yeah. that I guess it's like expected of them or whatever. But like if my parents were throwing a party in high school, I would be like, cool, I'm going to go to Mitchell's house. Or like right. I'm not going to hang out with a bunch of grown ups. I'm 16 years old. Oh, yeah. I don't want to wear a suit and a tie and like, <laughs> fuck that. Literally every weekend. Every yeah. week? Every week? Could you imagine every Saturday night going to a fucking grown-up party? It's my nightmare. Oh, mine too. Um, so Ryan tells Marissa that he's going shopping at the mall. And Marissa insists on going with him because he's a boy who cannot handle the mall, obviously. Did you guys find this insulting that you would need help to go shopping? I think the the way she phrased it was just like, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was cute, but also kind of insult. It was both. It was cute and insulting. <laughs> I, like we said... Mitchell and I were Seth Cohen's. We weren't Ryan Atwood's. I think if I was a Ryan Atwood, I would be like, yes, please go to the mall with me and tell me the gifts to get for everybody that I need to get gifts for. Cause you know, that's not really his scene. It's not really his style. Um, but yeah, it, it was, uh, I'm glad she did because, uh, there is a, uh, really adorable, like mall montage that happens next <laughs> yes the the mall the mall montage with ryan and marissa i really enjoyed i thought it was super cute we got um maybe this christmas the song by ron sexsmith which is kind of like a acoustic indie like warm nice little little tune uh, i loved it why don't why isn't that in like heavy rotation every christmas like it's a it was really nice. I don't know. It, was it a cover? Have you heard that song before? Or was that no. original Christmas song? I loved it. It was it was lovely. Yeah. I'm going to add it to my Christmas playlist this year. My Christmas playlist this year. There we go. Get <laughs> <laughs> uh, you some Adam Sandler on there. Oh, definitely. 
Uh, so yeah, we get a nice little montage of Ryan and Marissa going around department stores and stuff. Some highlights for me were um, a lady carrying a little dog that had antlers on it. Um, Marissa puts heels on and Ryan pretends to be even shorter than her because he's already shorter than her. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it also kind of looks like he's going down on her, which is kind of weird. But just like slowly like he's just like <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I thought it. But I'm glad you said it. <laughs> so then um we also see a scene of Ryan like they're looking at watches and Ryan like spots a, a sees a watch that he really likes. That's going to come into play later. Um and then um Marissa's like I can't afford this place anymore and Ryan's like, "Well, why'd you come?" and she says, I know it sounds weird, but I like it here. It's so perfect. Like all your problems can be solved with the right nail polish or something like that. And I'm just like, damn, Marissa, you talking deep about consumerism and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're right. That does sound weird. <laughs> you shouldn't put all of your, uh, all of your belief in uh, things you can buy. Yeah, that won't solve your problems. I think this goes back to her resistance to therapy and her obsession with being normal and perfect. Yep. If she, she could just she can't go back. accept if right. things aren't tip top shape. Yeah. She just wants to go back to her old life where the, the hardest decision she had to make was like, yeah, like what nail polish to buy or whatever. Um, so then we go to the parking deck of the mall. Ryan and Marissa are still like all smiles and having a great time. Uh, they go to get in the car, and a security guard stops Marissa and demands to see the contents of her purse. And then Ryan naturally steps in to defend, like, hey, she doesn't have to do anything. Leave her alone. Marissa's like, no, second, it's okay. What's up? For a split second, did you think that Ryan was about to punch that guy? 100%. Kinda, I always assume He kind of took fighting stance, and I was like, Ryan is about to punch the security guard, and you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, this Chris McCut isn't going to go well. <laughs> I would also like to add that retail employees are not allowed to chase customers outside the store and accuse them of shoplifting. Do you so, know this as a former retail, retail employee? I have been a retail employee, and I was explicitly told if you are suspicious... Your only domain is inside the store. You yeah. cannot chase them down the sidewalk. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, once they walk out the door, they're they're free. <laughs> they can, that's theirs now. <laughs> yeah, if you can make it through this threshold, it's like uh, Smokey and the Bandit or something. It's like once you cross those state lines. <laughs> but this guy seemed like a like a he didn't work for a particular store. He might have just been like general mall security or something. I don't know, but. Anyway, he demands to see Marissa's purse. She hands it over. He dumps it out. Lo and behold, there's some stolen shit in there, uh, including the watch that Ryan was looking at in the montage. I love it when a montage like gets like a callback like that, like where it's not just like you know random singing and dancing, and then we're like, okay, they had a good time, whatever. But it's like if you were paying attention to it you saw that that part where Ryan was just like, this is a cool watch. And then she stole it for him, which was like, nice, but she still stole. Right. There's a the part in the montage where Ryan's <laughs> looking at the watch 
And then he looks at her and, and he mouths the words, I like this watch. This like, is oh, a, like this would be watch. a nice watch for me. <laughs> Gives him a little wink wink. Okay. Mitchell, uh, hey, this is a this is a sort of this is gonna happen in season two where when Trey gets out of prison, um it'll come up when we whenever we get to that episode. Marissa and Ryan take Trey shopping and Trey steals some shit. And you know what he steals for Ryan? A, a watch. watch. <sighs> nice. So that's going to be a callback to this episode. Damn. All Ryan wants is a watch. <laughs> and I think he has one already. <laughs> but not this watch. I know he has like just a leather armband on one arm. But oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's one of his wrists has a watch on it. <laughs> well... You can never have too many watches. <laughs> I don't He's know. He's in the OC now. It's it's a two watch town. What if the watch that he has is just like a SpongeBob watch or something that he got out of one of those dry cereal boxes that he's always using? <laughs> Do you have any idea how many dry cereal boxes I went through to get this thing? <laughs> um. So then we go over to the Cohen's kitchen with Kirsten and Seth. Kirsten's uh, working and Seth's like, hey, I thought you were on vacation. And Kirsten's like, I'm easing into it. So workaholic. This, real quick, I, I loved the two of them in this scene. Oh, yeah. Seth and Kirsten was, have we, great. I, th- I feel like, yeah, we always go like Sandy and Kirsten, such great scenes together. Seth and Sandy, such great scenes together. I know we worship at the altar of Peter Gallagher, and yes. rightfully so. Yes. But the two of this, it was just it felt very natural. Very when Seth is like when Ryan talks about his old family, like I don't know what to say. Like it just felt so like a son talking to his mom. I really I loved it. Yeah, that was uh, that was a, another very real moment in this episode that I liked a lot too. Um, oh, there before before he says that though. So Kirsten's like, I'm easing into you know being on vacation, and Seth says, Hey, I don't judge, I only mock. And Kirsten says, That you get from your father. And Seth goes, He's like, points at his eyebrows, and he's just like, Oh God, are they coming in? Just just, just another little jab at those immaculate eyebrows that Peter Gallagher Majestic eyebrows. Best in showbiz. So, um, Seth notices a couple presents on the table and Kirsten mentions that they are from Ryan's mom and brother. And, and that's when Seth says, like, when he talks, like, about his family and his life before he moved in here he's like i don't know what to say and kirsten's like me neither and i'm just like damn this episode is keeping it real and i appreciate that um also we see those presents on the table in the next scene we see them on ryan's bed we never see him open them and it drove me insane yeah me too what what did they get him what presents did his mom and brother get him hopefully a watch (laughs) <laughs> but who knows man oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah he never opened them which i thought was strange i want to see that scene what's that 
I want to see that scene. So Kirsten notices a document as she's like, you know, unable to go on vacation. She's just going through papers, paperwork. She notices a document and her jaw drops. And she tells Seth to go get ready for the party. And she calls who we find out is a surveyor whom Caleb hired to survey the Balboa Heights. She asks for a copy of the survey survey to be faxed to her. That's right, faxed. <laughs> because <laughs> it's 2003. And that's how you send documents, I guess. Oh, um, faxing. So what is this document? I don't know. We'll find out. Let's go over to Jimmy's house or apartment they or whatever. They do such a good job of not of yeah like she you see that she sees this document and that clearly it's important and the next time when it's her and sandy which is we'll get to that scene she's like this is an important document and he flips it over and he's like and he also it's like the fucking briefcase in pulp fiction you're like what the fuck is this document it's the what is in there (laughs) i gotta know and we Dude, find out. It, I'm so I'm so, and then you find out eventually what it is. But the whole time I was just like, yeah, it, it, they did a really good job of like building that sort of suspense. Yeah. I like the um, yeah. I I mean, now that I'm in my 30s, I kind of you know I enjoy the adult drama stuff. Sometimes more than the than the high school stuff. Oftentimes yeah. more than that. It's like it's 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 good that they were able to make that interesting. Yeah, I definitely didn't pick up on as many details of that the first couple times I watched, and now I'm like, oh, she's she's backstabbing her dad. Yeah, Go dude. It's, it's juicy. It's good stuff. Um, so then we jump over to Jimmy's place, and Jimmy and Marissa are talking about her shoplifting. She, you know, got busted. And they're talking about her punishment or whatever. We can't really hear. Julie bursts in, looking straight up like a Disney villain in this one. She's getting ready to go to that party, like all black, like crazy hair and makeup and stuff. She's eating a poison apple. Yeah. (laughs) She sets it down and it like melts the table that it's on. (laughs) Um, So she, she comes in and she just starts going off on Marissa like shoplifting, I can't believe it. And Jimmy kind of jumps in to defend Marissa, and then Julie and Jimmy get into it. And Julie's like, "This always happens on your watch." And Jimmy's like, "Oh, I guess this is my fault too." And Julie's like, "Where do you think she learned to steal?" Damn. Low blow, Julie Cooper. Big time, man. You know Jimmy felt that one. Julie Cooper is so mean. And she's so good at being mean, yeah. which like makes it worse. I know <laughs> like, she can cut. She's you. not just being like, "Oh, and by the way, Jimmy, your shoes suck." She's like calculated <laughs> with her fucking insults. Yeah, it's like she stores up a bank of insults per person, and just rapid can rapid fire them. Um, so the dragon lady, she really is. We learned that the store that Marissa stole from is not pressing charges. And so Julie lays down the law. She's like, you are majorly grounded starting tomorrow because you're not going to ruin my big fancy party. You're going to be there and you're going to be good. And then starting tomorrow, you're grounded. And she asks Marissa 
why? Like, why did you steal? Why did you do this? Marissa has zero excuse. Like, she has nothing. She's just like, well, Marissa can be so infuriating sometimes. <laughs> I <laughs> sympathized with her, though. Not that I, like, stole shit in high school, but it, you know, her her parents getting divorced is, like, obviously really affecting her. Yeah. And she's especially like living in a a rich people town her being like well i'm not a rich person anymore because i'm living with my dad i think it really kind of screwed up like everything that she knew you know to to be true in her life and uh i'm not endorsing stealing i'm just saying like <laughs> i kind of get it you get like, where I she's coming get from her being like i still want to get a present for my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. She was buying. She was stealing things for other people because it's Christmas, right. and she wanted to be able to give Ryan a nice gift. And I get that, but she could have said that when Julie was like, "Why did you steal?" She's like, "Well, you know, you you guys are going through the divorce. We don't have any money, and um, I, you know, I wanted to get something nice for Ryan, and he really likes this, this is- watch." Yeah, this is clearly a cry for help, Mom. Yeah, but instead she just really can't find the words. And maybe just frustrating. Maybe not infuriating, but it's frustrating, uh, Marissa, uh, sometimes. <laughs> but oh, for for a lot of this episode, she's yeah. very frustrating. It's, it's very sad what she does in this episode, but you're just like, fucking stop! Rachel, did you ever steal in high school? <laughs> no never yes, stole I, did. I stole um i'll tell you about when i stole uh <laughs> a lot of hearts well that's true uh i had a friend who also worked at an eckerd photo lab at a different store as i i i myself Ooh, worked there throwback yeah um the eckerd he worked at sold alcohol and he was my inside man. He was my lookout. And I went in with a messenger bag with a towel in it because I didn't want you to I didn't want him to hear the bottles clinking together. I was very clever. Thought this thing through. Um but I yeah, I stole I think two or three bottles of Arbor Mist. <laughs> you deserve to get caught. I did. Well, let me tell you. Um he like gave me the go ahead, put the bottles in my bag, and I just kind of like walked out of the store. I said like, "All right, see you later." I walked out of the store. When I got in my car, the biggest adrenaline rush of my life up until that point. <laughs> your heart was just like pounding out of your chest. I was freaking out. Yeah, and I got away with it, and um, I never stopped stealing since then. Was it the most delicious Arbor Mist you'd ever tasted? Oh, yeah. So sweet when it's stolen. <laughs> Nectar And so gods. sweet when it's not stolen. <laughs> oh, God. Just, just sweet no matter what, no matter how you slice it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was the only time I, I stole. I was like, I cannot handle... Some people get addicted to that adrenaline rush. I was like, not for me. I'm not interested in feeling that again. <laughs> I remember knowing people who would steal CDs 
Yeah. And like they had a whole system of how to get them. You remember like they used to have those big plastic things. Yeah. 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 That they would like, you know, put them on the shelves with. But like there was some kind of tool or something that you could get that off really easy. And they would just like go to Best Buy or Media Play and they would just like steal a bunch of CDs. Wow. What, uh, what, what. Daniel Oceans. They <laughs> I was are. like, you can also just use Napster and steal music that way. Well, yeah. exactly. Like, what what problems that just don't exist today? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I let Spotify rob artists, and then I benefit. Right. Um. So then Julie tells Marissa that she has scheduled an appointment with a therapist. Marissa reacts as if she's being put in an insane asylum. <laughs> like she really doesn't want to go to therapy. That's yeah. That's like what they're sort of this whole exchange. Yeah. It makes it seem like what it feels like you're but, not, you're, you're going to jail. Yeah. But it's like, no, you're just going to like get help. Um, Jimmy agrees with Julie here. He's like, yeah, we think this is a good idea. Um, and Marissa just like storms off. She's pissed. So then we cut over to the pool house. We're with Ryan. Seth enters and he asks about the mall and how that went. And Ryan tells him the truth. He tells him Maria, Marissa got caught shoplifting. And Seth's like sympathetic to this because he's like, oh, yeah, she's like going through a lot. And like nobody disagrees. Marissa is going through a lot. <laughs> like everybody's like, oh yeah. Like I I, I kind of get that. Um and then Seth says, I got something for you. And Ryan says, I thought we said no gifts. And Seth says, Yeah, but this is non-negotiable. And then Seth hands Ryan a stocking with his name on it. And Ryan smiles and Mitchell cries. <laughs> oh my god. What a beautiful moment. It's like, it's like, that's all you had to do, Seth. That's all you had to do to get the Christmas spirit in him. Just give him a stocking with his name on it. Man, it, 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 it's, Ryan says so much with that smile. He says like, you know, like, maybe the holidays are good. Maybe, you know, like, I I had a chip on my shoulder because of how things were but how things are going to be is so much different than that now like it's just a great moment i thought beautiful scene god damn it christmas spirit i think i mean a lot of it has to do with like the fact that he is 90 percent of every episode he's pretty like stone-faced doesn't say much very you know keeps his emotions in check. So like when he is holding a stocking with his name on it and he's looking at it and he smiles, it's a big deal. (laughs) Whereas like if any other character did this, he'd be like, all right, cool, whatever. But you're just like, Oh, this means so much. And he's been through so much. Yeah. It's a real token. Just welcoming him into the, the Cohen family tradition. Right, yeah. yeah, it's it's them saying like you are part of the family now. You got your own stocking up on the mantle. It's great. I loved it. Loved it. Maybe the best moment of the episode. But let's let's continue. So then we go over to Kirsten and Sandy's bedroom. Kirsten 
is they have a a table and chairs in their bedroom, of course, (laughs) because it's massive. I think part of the reason they do is so that they can have shots where, uh, like this shot where she's sitting at the table and the reflection of the pool is like kind of like on yeah. her face. It's got a kind of a noir vibe to it. It's, yeah. Because like it's nighttime. It's New, and Newport Noir. Newport Noir. <laughs> so she's, yeah, she's having a glass of wine and Sandy runs in. He apologizes for being late, but he's in a good mood. He says that he and Caleb reached a settlement. He's like, maybe he's changing or maybe he's a fantastic liar. What's wrong? Because he can tell that Kirsten is upset. Something's on her mind because he's observant, because he loves his wife, because he's amazing. Uh, Kirsten says, I found something today. And if I give it to you, my dad will fire me. And She slides a piece of paper on the table towards Sandy. And Sandy picks it up and he reads it. And yeah, he freaks out. And he's like, this changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> The whole time you're just like, what does that fucking piece of paper say? (laughs) I had so much love for Kirsten in this moment. Like, she's choosing to, you know, show where her loyalties lie. And they are not with Caleb Nichol. Yeah. Which, can you blame her? If you had to choose between Caleb Nichol and Sandy Cohen. (laughs) No brainer, man. Sandy all day. Yeah. But like in the in the everything else with this whole Balboa wetlands, Balboa Heights stuff, it has been this thing of like whose side is each person on and and they've sort of reached this understanding, you know, up until this point. And then yeah, you fucking love that she's like, "No, you know what? I'm going to do what's right. I'm yep. going to show Sandy this document." That the audience has no idea what it is, but apparently it changes everything. And it is what's right. It's like the truth. Yeah. And it's like, we'll get into it when we like reveal what the document is. But it kind of makes you wonder like the legality of withholding this document from Sandy in the first place. You know what I mean? So I'm yeah, like, I think I think uh, the fact that it exists, uh, he's Caleb's fucked. Yeah, a, a lot of different ways. Changes everything. Uh, <laughs> so then we go over to. The, I think if yeah. it's 2020 and this episode, this scene happens, Sandy goes, "This is a game changer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, we got we we're still working on our remake for the OC, by the way. <laughs> Our 2020 reboot, and I think we're still using Peter Gallagher as Sandy oh, yeah. Cohen. Oh yeah, recasting. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so then we go over to the Cohen's front door. Ding dong. Seth answers. It's Anna. Anna says mistletoe and kisses him. And Seth is concerned because Anna is breaking the Geneva Convention, as he posed it, um, <laughs> that is somehow a thing that they all agreed to. I don't know. Uh, Anna says, well, how's Summer going to find out? Fucking ding dong, cue Summer. <laughs> Seth opens the Fucking door. ding dong. And Summer does the exact, <laughs> it's so weird how they do the exact same thing all the time. And they're like, like, like Summer must have been driving behind Anna, and like Anna yeah. pulled into the Cohen's driveway. And Summer's like, "Oh, that's so funny." Immediate. They 
definitely were. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so Summer's like mistletoe, oh, and then like sees Anna, and then the old "What is she doing here? What is she doing here?" shtick that's kind of already played out at this point. And um, Seth decides that hey, we're all gonna ride together because he apparently likes being in hell. I don't know. I I did. During like this whole scene where they're all in the um by the front door, there's like the camera is like from over Seth's shoulder to Anna and Summer, and then it's over to the other side with Seth and Summer looking at Seth, and it's like alternating back and forth. And to me, again, as someone who uh overanalyzes every shot and scene and episode of this show. I, it was very much like what I was saying earlier of like, did they want people to be team Seth or, I mean, did they want people to be team Anna or team summer to me? This like back and forth was like, they're not against each other. Like Seth is the enemy basically like from showing that they're both standing next to each other. Uh-huh. And then going to the other side, it was like, oh, yeah, no, like visually, this is confirming of like, no, they're not against each other. Like the the line is the two of them versus Seth. They just don't know it yet or they're just not. I don't know. It yeah, was, well, it was I liked the way that this was shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of uh, putting they're always putting him in between them or, yeah, like kind of like separated. But. Yeah, at this point, they're still competing for him. And it's weird because it's like they went from, you know, being enemies to being friends. And then and then they started competing for Seth's affections again. And it's kind of like, what is their relationship with each other now? It doesn't really get explored like it did in previous episodes. It's always just the three of them. It's You never have really like summer and Anna moments like you did several episodes ago when this whole thing kind of started. Right. Where they know in this episode, this whole episode, they both know that like they're both actively trying to court him or like be with him. Yeah. And you know, he's, he made it clear in the last episode of like, well, I'm hanging out with summer that night and Anna is like, I don't care. Do you want to hang out Saturday night? Right. Or however that went. So right, it's not right. like he's keeping one a secret from the other. Right. It's it's, it's, it's almost a, weirder. It's a, it is weirder. <laughs> it is a, such a strange it dynamic. It's surprising that they've all kind of agreed to this arrangement. <laughs> I agree. Seems like everyone's better than what's going on here. Yeah. Cause also, they're both very like attractive uh, you know, sixteen-year-old girls in in high school. Like, it's not like he's the only guy. He's the only Seth Cohen. I know, but <laughs> Rachel knows also, what I'm talking not about. Not really, because we also said we were kind of Seth Cohens. Maybe in Newport, he's the only Seth Cohen. But <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of dudes who listen to Death Cab. And come on down to Kennesaw, sweaters. Georgia, and <laughs> got dime a dozen these Seth Cohens. <laughs> Um, so later we're in the Cohen's living room and Seth is sitting between Anna and Summer. Um, they both tell him that they have presents for him and he is excited for either 
for bo- both, as he says. <laughs> um, Sandy and Kirsten enter. They greet the girls, and Sandy says, this is going to be one hell of a party. <laughs> <laughs> I love how proud they are of him in this moment. Like, they're like, our son. Yeah. Finally, the day has come. Yeah, they're just like, well, I don't know how you're going to get out of this one, Seth, but uh, this should be interesting, to say the least. (laughs) I want to see the car ride with the three of them in the backseat. Oh, yeah. That's a a scene we don't get. Sandy's talking the whole time, because... Yeah, he's a talker, and he's probably kind of uh, uncomfortable <laughs> with yeah. what's going on. Oh yeah, if he's anything like me, or if I'm anything like him, <laughs> talk a lot when you're anxious, when you're nervous. <laughs> the first time Ashley and I got a couples massage, the first and only time we got a couples massage, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure she was like, "I'm not doing that with you again." Uh, I talked literally the entire time because I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> Oh my God, Mitchell. Literally the entire time. <laughs> so relaxing. Yeah, I know. It was anything There's like but Zen for me. music playing in the yeah. background. Oh, yeah. It's all essential oils and stuff. And I was just like, so where are you from? You got kids? What's, what's, what's your deal? You like working here? <laughs> um, so then we move over to Jimmy's place with Ryan and Marissa. Ryan tells Marissa that, hey, Therapy might be good, which, you know, he's right about. And then Marissa, like, snaps at him. She's, like, very defensive. And, you know, I guess and this is where, like, I kind of, like, y- you kind of get the impression that y- she just wants to be normal, which is kind of what she's been doing the whole episode. She just wants to be normal. She wants her life to be the way it was. And going to therapy is kind of, like, admitting that that you need help or you're messed up or whatever. Um she asks Ryan to go get her wrap, which is like a little jacket thing, I guess, <laughs> or like a burrito. I don't know. She says, go get my wrap. And Ryan goes upstairs and, um, yep. Comes you back guessed- down with a flour tortilla. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is this it? <laughs> you want it steamed or grilled? <laughs> um, she basically just sends him off to so that she can go to Jimmy's liquor cabinet and grab one of her favorite like little bottles of vodka, sneaks it into her clutch, and um, and so back to her old ways, I guess. Uh, then we cut over to the Newport group Christmas party. Yeah, finally, party time. I like that we got to the event like halfway through the episode on this one. Usually they save it for the third act, but they're like, nah, we're just jumping right in here. Um, yep. And this this is a good scene. It's one of the classic, like you're jumping around, different conversations are happening, different characters are interacting with each other. It's good, classic OC stuff. So... Sandy and Kirsten, Anna, Summer, and Seth all enter together because they all fit into a car somehow. Um, He's got the range, baby. Got the range. A server (laughs) approaches and offers them crab beef filo. And Seth says, come on, buddy. Change it up a bit. Do you know why, though? This is a callback to episode one. The party in episode one callback. Come on. And that's what they call a callback in comedy, Ron. Mark it. Mark it. We have a thing, Rachel, where we, whenever there's a callback, we we could do a drop. 
we call back. We do call back. We're a big fan of callbacks. And surprisingly, <laughs> this is the first one in this episode. Usually there's like three or four every episode, but this one is great because yeah. it's the same actor. Same actor, yes. Same guy. And that's why this the joke is so funny because, yeah, he says like... Uh, I, uh, mushroom leak, uh, crescent crab and, uh, beef filo. And Seth goes, come on, buddy, switch it up a little. Yeah. And the guy gives him a look like, I know I said that in the first episode. <laughs> I say it's that at every part. It is a deep cut callback for the hardcore fans. <laughs> market. Such as us market, dude. I um, think the assumption is every single weekend they're like refusing this guy's offer of crab right. and whatever filo like yes like enough already with the crab filo <laughs> give me some fucking same, bagel bites just reusing dude them. they're like we got a couple trays that didn't get eaten yeah we'll just <laughs> freeze them and then benefit for the sea lions of newport next week we'll just use it for that right yeah there's one caterer in this whole town and he makes that he's like people love my crab beef filo <laughs> this actor's name is todd sherry He's in the pilot episode as the server. He's in this episode as the server. He's in the series finale. <gasps> Come on. He's got to be somebody's like cousin or something. I'm sure he has some relation with uh, Schwartz or uh, Stephanie Savage or one of the people in the scene, but not as a server. He's uh, remember the couple that owns Sandy and Kirsten's old house in Berkeley. The two guys. Oh, yeah. He's, he's one of those guys. Whoa. So I guess he's, at some point he like moves on from being a server in Newport. He goes to Berkeley, settles down. I love that. I want to see oh. his show. <laughs> that's a good arc for him. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Boy, I can't. I can't wait. Can't wait for the finale. <laughs> going to be so We're good. We're almost halfway through season one. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be a while. It's going to be many years. Okay. So that callback. Rachel, do you want to come back for the series finale when we get I'll to it? I'll be here. We're going to bring yes! every every guest that we've ever had on back for the series finale. Yes! Oh, hell yeah. It's going to be great. Um, so Summer and Anna are like literally pulling Seth in opposite directions when they get into the party. And Seth just bails. He's like, I'm going to go find Ryan. Bye, guys. <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> Um, and then we go over by the fountain Sandy and Kirsten approach Julie Sandy wants to talk shop but uh, Caleb oh and yeah Caleb's there as well <laughs> and Sandy wants to talk about the case and Caleb's like it's a party think about your Berkeley days maybe you could smoke the tree and then he leaves and Sandy's like smoke the tree that's, that's hilarious because Sandy was a pothead in college what's up um, Sandy says, I'm going to nail him now. <laughs> and he goes, he like chases after <laughs> Caleb. He like can't wait to drop this bomb on Caleb. He's got his eye on the prize. Yes, 100%. Um, Especially after that dumb joke that Caleb made. <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on, Caleb, you can do better than that. Or maybe not. He's, he doesn't have much of a personality. Yeah. <laughs> He's um, not a joke teller. Not really. Uh, so, so it's just Julie and Kirsten and Julie's like weirdly self-conscious about how she's done with the party. She like wants it to be perfect for Caleb. Um, I want it to be a party he'll never forget, she says. And Kirsten 
knowing what Sandy's about to tell Caleb, tells Julie, I think you have a shot. (laughs) So then we move over to the balcony with Marissa and Ryan. Ryan's checking on Marissa because, you know, she's been upset and she just went through the whole shoplifting thing and she seems okay. She's maybe slightly buzzed. I can't really tell. It's just Misha Barton, you know. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get to when she does like down that bottle of vodka in the bathroom. But right. to me, it sounded like when she's twisting it open that she was like breaking the seal. Okay. So she hasn't drank yet. Right. But it also was not a full bottle of vodka. It was weird. That's confusing. That, like, as she's pouring it, it looked like less than what should have been in there. Hmm, continuity error. Way yeah. to pick up on that, Jay. I'll let it slide. But I, I was <laughs> trying to like be like, oh, has she had anything to drink yet or not? Don't know. So uh, Ryan and Marissa kiss, and at, while they're kissing, Julie walks in, and Julie wants Marissa to say hi to Caleb, but Marissa doesn't really feel like it. <laughs> I don't feel like it. And they kind of bicker at each other. And then Marissa's like, I'm going to the bathroom. Bye, mom. She leaves. And then Julie says to Ryan, I hate the holidays. And Ryan says, right there with you. And they <laughs> they kind of have a moment. Or they like drink their drinks at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's they're when they're arguing, it's like a back and forth of like shot of Marissa, shot of Julie, shot of Marissa, shot of Julie. And then the last shot of all three of them together, Ryan's in the middle, just looking really awkward. And it was <laughs> perfect. It was yeah. so good. Yeah. Can imagine how uncomfortable he feels in that moment. <laughs> but like, yeah, like Julie's not like taking any shots at Ryan or anything. She's just like fucking holidays. Right. And he's like, yeah, they suck. <laughs> So then we move over by the tree, the big old two Lin-Manuel tall tree, and uh, (laughs) Sandy approaches Caleb. He hands him a copy of the survey, and uh, so Caleb had this survey done and never gave it to Sandy's office, which might be illegal since they were in a lawsuit, or maybe not, I don't know. Uh, But the survey states that the Balboa Heights, the land that they were disputing, is seismically unsound, because there's a lot of earthquakes in California, and it's uninsurable, and you definitely can't build a bunch of houses there, which is why Caleb bought it. Um, So Sandy offers to buy the Heights back from Caleb for $1. And Caleb says... You can't be serious. And Sandy grabs Caleb's hand and he slaps a dollar bill into it. And then he gives him a Merry Christmas before sauntering off somehow without tripping over his massive dick. (laughs) (laughs) This was such a fuck yeah, Sandy Cohen moment. Like he sticks it to him in such a cool way. I think everyone universally hopes to have this kind of moment with someone oh yeah in their life unfortunately with your father-in-law who is the devil yeah an (laughs) anti-semitic money like like just all he cares about is making more money doesn't care about his family or anything like exploits his daughter he's like he's like a, a, a terrible person 
and yeah, he, Sandy really got to just, just, just hit it, hit him where it hurts, hit him where it hurts the worst, his wallet, and yeah, just unfortunately, life doesn't ever work out this way, and nobody is as cool as Sandy Cohen, but no, for this moment. It was fantastic. We're trying. We're all we're, trying we're all, to be this cool in this moment. We're all aspiring. <laughs> Does it work? Yeah. Uh, you know what I wanted? Mm. Uh, Sandy to walk off, Caleb to be by himself, and him to go into Caleb Nickel sports fan mode and just talk out loud and go, I'm really in a rock and a hard place. It's, it's fourth and long. <laughs> and I'm I'm down by Tony seven Ro- I'm Tony Romo <laughs> I have to throw a game winning touchdown pass <laughs> I have to throw a spiral touchdown pass Rachel you look confused let me the elaborate the greatest defense in the league <laughs> the Green Bay Packers so Caleb in the Thanksgiving episode Caleb is all of a sudden a football fan but he's still you know his his kind of scroogey self and it's just a lot of fun to be Caleb Nickel at a football game. <laughs> the way he talks about sports. I yes. imagine him from- very uncomfortable at any kind of sporting event, just like wearing a suit and not wanting to be touched by anyone. Like he, I, It's not a scene that I really imagine him in. <laughs> yes, yes. He's not doing the wave. I asked for my, my hot dog with no condiments. I just want to... <laughs> want a wiener in a bun. I don't want to get on my Dry my five thousand dollars suit. <laughs> um. So then we go over to the fountain with Seth and Anna. Anna gives Seth his present. It is a comic book that she made for him and about him and Captain Oates. Uh, Seth is blown away by it. He loves it. They spot Summer from across the fountain. And they both feel weird, <laughs> but it's still, it's a nice moment that again, like this whole love triangle thing, it's like, it's uncomfortable for everybody. Like nobody's yeah. having a good time in this situation. <laughs> Mitchell, did you get, uh, when he says the title of volume one? Oh no. What'd he say? It's well, the comics called the adventures of Seth Cohen and captain Oates volume one confidence oh call back confidence cohen drop it mark call it. back mark <laughs> it and that's what they call a callback in comedy run yes that was that was anna's introductory episode she teaches seth how to be confident in himself hell yeah and look how it backfired she's got a little- <laughs> he's too confident he's too, confident. He's, too cocky yeah he's <laughs> juggling two two ladies simultaneously and anna's one of them oof um, it is adorable. Like it's it's such oh, it's a, great. It's such a very nice gift for him. That's an amazing gift. It's way better than the gift that Seth is going to give her. Oh yeah. <laughs> so then we go over. Yeah, you you spend ten minutes in media play. I said media play because it's two thousand three, and you can get all the shit that Seth got them. Whatever. Anyway, so then we go over to the dance. You clearly floor. haven't really listened to Transatlanticism, Mitchell. <laughs> it's how I feel about you. <laughs> um. So then, yes, the dance floor. We're with Jimmy and Kirsten. They're slow dancing, and I guess that's cool after Sandy almost punched Jimmy in the face for Kirsten, kissing Kirsten last episode, but whatever. 
It feels not romantic. No, though. yeah, it's very casual. They're just chatting, and it's not like they're super close with each other right. or whatever. So Jimmy's confiding in Kirsten about Marissa, um, and she's talking to her about Seth. He's like, does he ever do things that make you question yourself as a parent? And Kirsten's like, well, there was the model home, Tijuana, and then the thing with the Range Rover in an IMAX movie I didn't quite buy. Triple oh, callback. Triple callback. <laughs> and that's what they call a callback. Call 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 market, market, market. <laughs> was- I wrote in my notes, uh, Kirsten opens the callback floodgates. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Referring, of course, to the second episode, the sixth episode. And then that was the the Donnie episode, the thing with the Rage Rover, yes. right? So that was, was like, like four or five or yeah, something like that. So we're going way back. But but yeah, I love that. that was, this was great. This was something where, yeah, a casual viewer just would just kind of brush that off like, <laughs> OK, whatever. But, but it, not us. <laughs> not us. And that was something we talked about in the episode where we're like, they never had that conversation about the, the Range Rover. But apparently they did because she just called it back. Tying up loose ends, it, Josh you Schwartz. You call it the range if you want, Mitchell. Take a note, writers, for lost. <laughs> Tie up the loose ends. This is how you do it. Um, so Jimmy's like, yeah, but they're kids, you know. If our parents knew half the stuff we did. And, you know, I thought about that. I thought about them being kids. And honestly, I don't think Caleb would have given a shit. Like, <laughs> they could have done, they could have got away with murder. Like, Caleb's too busy being a being a businessman, big important businessman. He man. was he was out of town three and a half weeks out of the month. Oh yeah, <laughs> only home on one weekend. <laughs> and on Sundays he was watching football, so don't bother him. Yeah, but then I thought about like maybe you know he was a better father when Kirsten's mom was alive, and then maybe like after she died, he like kind of buried himself in work and became detached and stuff. I don't know. I might be giving him too much credit, but you know what I mean. Like I could see that that would be a good arc for that character. Um, but we'll we'll never know. So they both conclude that they have good children. <laughs> that's like the end of this conversation. It's just like, eh, you know, they get into shit, but that's what kids do. What can you do? I don't know. They're fine. We're doing a good job. Let's keep dancing. <laughs> it's a party. It's Christmas. So then we got over to the bathroom with Marissa. And this is where she busts out that vodka from her clutch and starts drinking and there's like a shot where she like takes a big swig and then she like looks at herself in the mirror and she smiles and it's like really like forced and weird. She's just like, ah, I'm having fun now. And it's like, you know what I'm talking about, Rachel? Like, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. She's like assessing herself in the mirror. Like, okay, I'm transforming and I will come out the other side yeah. <laughs> of fun, loving butterfly. Yes. And, this like, is how I'd be happy. I drink the vodka. And yeah, so that's all that scene is. Marissa's, Marissa's drunk now. So then we go over to Caleb's office and Summer pushes Seth through the door. It's dark. She sits him down, turns on the lights. She says, I heard you like comic books, Cohen. She takes her dress off to reveal a Wonder Woman outfit. Seth is going to pass out. 
<laughs> she all of the blood is rushing to his penis. <laughs> That's what he meant by that. She lassos him, pulls him in. They start to kiss. And then Summer, I guess, reaches into his coat pocket and puts the comic book that Anna made. She's flipping through it. She's like, this is amazing. And then Anna bursts in and she's like, hey, Seth, there you are. Oh, like there's so many. (laughs) I feel like there's so many moments like that with these three where it's like two of them are together and they're like clicking or whatever. And then the, the other person walks in and they're just like, hey, I finally found that. Oh, what are you doing here? You know, it's like, <laughs> this is the this was the deal. I feel like people realize that people are in a room way quicker, though. Like if you <laughs> walked yeah. in a room and said a full sentence and then realized <laughs> that you were talking to the wrong person. or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm nitpicking. Well, also, like not to pick sides, but like Summer let Anna and Seth have their thing yeah together i feel like anna didn't i feel like anna barged in she did barge in and she must have seen the two of them walk in there together oh for sure yeah because she just came she came right in it was maybe 30 seconds before she decided to come in Mm. yeah i think i mean summer this gift is so incredible to me (laughs) like (laughs) for a high school girl (laughs) Like this to me is just like this is someone who knows what she wants. She is like full costume lassoing a boy. Yeah. Like I'm like, damn summer, get it, girl. It's impressive. <laughs> it's impressive. When she it seems like a leap that she would actually discover something in his pocket at that moment. But I then agree. for her to be threatened by it, I think really shows her insecurities. Cause like she is so beautiful but then seeing you know this gift that anna has given seth that like she she didn't think of something you know so So personal yeah she's threatened Mm -hmm. by it absolutely and i think i think that they are and that's uh, that's how this kind of works it's like they're both threatened by each other right anna's threatened by summer because summer has like sex appeal to seth that that nobody else does. Summer's threatened by Anna because Anna like clicks with Seth on an intellectual level, I guess. Like it's it's kind of a head and head and the heart dilemma we got going on here. Um and and that's that's how this love triangle kind of works and it's the dynamic between these two characters. And and the gifts really reflect that in a good way and, and it brings out each person summer and anna's insecurities in themselves because they're like oh she's got something i can't give you oh she's got something i can't give you it's that sort of thing um so yeah anna spots summer and then she's just like you look amazing and then summer's all self-conscious which i thought was really nice it's so i mean they're you look amazing yeah they're they are nice to each other at this point they're not like being mean to each other but at this point, they they both agree that this has gone on long enough, and the audience couldn't agree more. Um, they tell Seth he has to choose. You gotta, you gotta, ultimatum time. You gotta pick one of us. And um, I, I guess Seth thought that they were both gonna break up with him, so he was kind of like freaking out 
at this point, he was just like, no, 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 it's okay. Or like, maybe he likes this arrangement, which, you know. He's so like in over his head and has been for the last three or four episodes. Right. He's just. I think he's just like, I don't know. I have no idea what's happening or what to do he next. He doesn't want to make a decision about it. He yeah. doesn't want to have to do that. So they leave him. In the, they turn the lights in, off. They turn the lights off. They leave him in the dark with a huge boner. And <laughs> <laughs> that's how the scene is. So then we're back at the party. Um, drunk Marissa kind of like jumps on Ryan. And she's like, let's dance. Let's get out of here. Come on. You said you wanted to have fun. Okay, first of all, Ryan has never said that he wants to have fun. <laughs> this is Ryan. And he hates dancing. About. Hates dancing. Yeah. Uh, his idea of fun is very specific. It's uh, <laughs> eating dry cereal and uh, punching water polo players and playing video games That's and my... reading comics. Isn't that your idea of a good time? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Everybody's. That's why I said I was a Ryan Atwood in high school. <laughs> 100%. Um, Ryan is not stoked that Marissa is hammered. Um, Marissa says, hey, come on, you drink. And Ryan's like, yeah, but not alone in the bathroom. And Marissa's like, I'm just having fun. Is that a crime? She doesn't say that. I said that. Uh, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> She's basically saying that. Ryan's like, oh, this is how you have fun, huh? You you have fun by like passing out in your driveway, then in Tijuana. And then he says, which is double callback, drop it, mark it. Mark it, mark it. He says, it's like my mom all over again. Like, ooh. That that was that was that was harsh. Cause he's kind of like, you could he this whole episode, he's kind of getting over that. And he's kind of like trying to like get into the he got the stocking. He's getting into the Christmas spirit. And then, and then Marissa's just bringing him back down, br- reminding him of of Christmas past, ghost of Christmas which, past. Which, yeah, which culminates in we'll get to it, but yeah, the he scene basically the like puts his foot down, right? Um, uh, that so you know, sad callback, but um, mark it. Unfortunately, uh, Marissa says she says shut up to him, and it's it's. <laughs> She says shut up in a way that's like she's been saying, she's been telling people shut up her whole like spoiled ass life. Like she's just like, shut up. Like it's like the most insulting thing I've ever heard the way she tells him to shut up. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't have to listen to your childhood trauma yeah, bullshit. Right? I want to drink in a bathroom. Dude, seriously. He's like, he's like, hey, my mom had a serious drinking problem. And that's why I don't live with her anymore. And now you're reminding me of her. And Marissa's just like, shut up, you baby. I was just like, God dang it. I really didn't like Marissa. I don't like drunk Marissa. She's not fun. No. She's mean. Uh, so Marissa decides to leave the party. Ryan tries to stop her, which is reasonable because she's drunk. She like freaks out and yells at him. You can't tell me what to do. Sort of, you know, pitching a fit. And it causes a small scene, but I wouldn't say it's like a party breaker scene. It's not like a, you know, Jimmy getting a, punched out it's at not Ryan's, Yeah, it's not Ryan's mom falling on the server. And yeah, everyone the record doesn't and, scratch and stop 
the record keeps going. A little group of people are like, oh, kids are having a yeah. having a there's there's argument. some there's some turnarounds, but yeah, it's but not. Everyone's like, ah, everyone's a party, keep going, it's having fun. So then we go to commercial. Um we come back and we're like kind of at the the entrance to the party. The valet the valet has just given a drunk sixteen year old girl car keys. Let's talk about this for just a second because <laughs> I have never been a valet. I don't know what the rules of being a valet are, but if you can tell, because Marissa is very drunk, clearly, obviously. clearly drunk. If you're a valet and a drunk person is like, get my keys. Can you be like, no. Or do you have to be like, yeah, here's your keys. You drunk person. Be safe. Like, what are the rules? Not my problem. I yeah. don't know. No, yeah, I don't know. I f- I feel like that's a. That's I'm guessing a she probably didn't tip him. Probably drunk. not. Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't get a tip, I'd be like, uh, no, you're not getting your keys. <laughs> she didn't tip him, and so he put another card behind her, so that she'd back into it. Oh, he set her up. Yep. Yeah. The only valet I've ever known was was John John Rosser. And uh, so we can ask him, friend of the show. We'll ask him. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would think that would be a personal choice. I don't know if there's like, but maybe maybe valet companies have like uh, policies on that sort of thing, where they're like, no, don't give a drunk person, a clearly inebriated person, their keys. That's a faux pas. But I don't know. This yeah. valet didn't give a shit. He was stoned. He just wants to surf, and he's just picking up some money. <laughs> On the weekends. Um, Ryan runs out after Marissa. He stands in front of the car. She throws it in reverse, backs into another car, and she's just like defeated. She just like kind of collapses on the steering wheel. Ryan goes around to the driver's side window. And then we cut over to we're back at the party now. Caleb is making a big announcement. At a Christmas party. He's announcing that he is transferring the title of the Balboa Heights to the Balboa Land Trust for the very reasonable price of $1. And he couldn't have done it without his son-in-law, Sandy Cohen. And then Sandy pipes in because Sandy's standing up there next to him. He says, he says, oh, thanks, Cal. But uh, I can't take credit for this. You did this all on your own. To Caleb Nickel, the most generous man in Newport. And everybody cheers and toasts and drinks their drinks. Caleb is livid, but he's, you know, in front of a crowd, so he's got to keep up appearances. As he leaves, he says, happy Hanukkah, Sandy. And then Sandy, again, attempts to uh, walk out without tripping over his huge dick. (laughs) It's amazing that he does it. Two times There's one episode. There's a, while the two of them are up there, there is a shot of Kirsten and Julie and they both had like Kirsten's look on her face is like, I fucking love my husband. I'm going to fuck him later tonight. And then Julie is just like, I do not like fuck, my choice. I'm going to fuck that old man. <laughs> oh man. Like, I don't know what she's so impressed. I guess she's buying into this whole thing of like, Oh, he's giving, this thing that he's been fighting over for however many months he's giving it to them for a dollar. Like But Julie I feel like Julie's smarter than that. Like I feel like she should yeah. pick she would pick up on it like 
Wait, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I found this whole announcement very odd for yes. the setting of a company holiday party to say, here's this one deal we've been working on and we resolved it just now. No, like, Merry Christmas, all, like, yeah. happy holidays. It's just like, we exchanged a dollar. Like, that y'all might want to know. That was the speech. <laughs> no, no elves. No, no elves. elves. They're still in Kirsten's office. <laughs> still getting ready yeah the yeah it's a weird speech but again if caleb nickel was your boss i would be like that's kind of what i would expect from him <laughs> it's never like uh it's never like oh let's have a raffle let's have some fun like <laughs> it's always just like yes this business transaction uh, uh happened today and, and, and that's that and have have fun don't don't <laughs> Don't drink too much. We're paying. We're paying per bottle. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, ho 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 ho! It's me, Santa. <laughs> I, did everyone get their secret Santa gifts? We'll begin the exchange process now. No, I can't. I can't ever see him doing anything fun. Even when he's <laughs> watching football on Thanksgiving, he seems miserable, joyless. So then we cut over. We're on the road now with um, Ryan and Marissa. Ryan's driving. Marissa's in the passenger seat. Um, I guess they left a note on the car she backed into. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They're just Yeah, this is such a glaring, like, privilege girl moment that she wouldn't even think that, like, rear-ending someone would be worth acknowledging at all. <laughs> yeah. It's all about me. Or maybe that car didn't have any damage. I know she fucked up her taillight. I don't know. We didn't they, see the damage, but yes, we do know they have a, a broken taillight. Well, we'll find out in a moment they have a broken taillight. So Marissa pulls out the vodka bottle and she she's kind of like waving it in Ryan's face, like taunting him with it. It's very strange behavior. Like, Marissa, give up. Yeah. You have what are you trying to drinking prove? tonight? God, it's not working out tonight. Ryan's pissed. He tells her to put the bottle away. Marissa, like, drops the cap. And, like, I know it's supposed to be an accident, but, like, because Misha Barton's such a bad actor, um, it looks like she kind of does it on purpose. Like, she's, like, going to twist the cap on, and she just kind of, like, throws it onto the floor of the car. It was like, okay, whatever. Um, So she starts, like, looking for it on the floorboard. Ryan reminds her that he is on probation. And then... Cue the whoop whoop. Cops uh. are behind them, pulling them over. Marissa kind of clutches the vodka bottle between her feet and puts on her seatbelt because, of course, she wasn't wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> Just doing everything wrong in this. Uh. Scene. Uh, the cop gets out and he's like shining his flashlight all over the place in their car. He says they've got a broken tail light because, you know, of course they do. Ryan says, yeah, it just happened. Thanks a lot, Marissa. Um, the cop asks if Marissa's all right. She's not, but she says that she is. He starts to ask her to step out of the car when they are saved by the bell. He gets a call on the radio requesting that all the cars in the area report to something. They don't really say, I don't know, probably the black kid walking a, in a neighborhood or something. It's a 459, What's which that? is burglary. Oh, you looked that up? I looked it up. Are you a cop? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, by the way. (laughs) Undercover cop. No, 
I looked it up. Okay, so burglary in progress. He's like, I gotta go. Let's him off with a warning. Cop takes off. Ryan gets out of the car, walks around to Marissa's door, opens it, grabs the bottle of vodka, chucks it down a hill, and then he slams her door like five times, just like slamming the door, just open it, slam it, slam it. And then again, when when a character is like so even keel and like unemotional. When they do do a scene like this, it like fucking amps it up like 20 times. Yeah. The fact that he's acting at all, like doing any sort of like emotional thing. You're like, holy shit. He's done. He's He's pissed. Oh, he's fired up. Yeah. Marissa's like, stop. You're scaring me. I don't blame him. (laughs) No, I don't blame him either. Uh, He's. I mean, he's he is acting a little aggressively, but you know he's a teenager and he's a notorious hothead. Um, and Marissa, Marissa sounds like, "Stop! You're scaring me!" And Ryan's like, "Good, you're scaring me." And then uh, Ryan's like, "There's drinking, crying, and cops, so it must be Christmas." And then he's like, you know, bummed, kind of remembering all his Christmas of the past. And Marissa gets out, and then Ryan tells her, "He's like, I left this behind. I'm not doing it again." And Marissa's like, okay. She seems sincere. Like it seems like she's she's finally kind of like not being selfish and thinking about herself. She's she's finally like, oh shit, like I screwed up. This is really like traumatizing for my boyfriend. And so yeah. Which we we know she means because she the next time we see her, she's going to therapy. So she's clearly like all right. right, she's like, maybe I do need to need to get a handle on this. So so then we go to the next morning. We're in the Cohen's kitchen. Ryan's eating his, his classic dried cereal when uh, Seth enters, and he's explaining the ultimatum that Summer and Anna left him with. And Ryan tells Seth about his night and what a bummer it was. And Seth doesn't see it that way. He sees the cop getting the radio call as a Chrismica miracle. His faith is that's restored. Why I, that's why I looked it up. Cause I was like, I wonder what a four five nine is. Yeah. And I saw it's burglary. I was like, well, there wasn't a Chrismica miracle for the family that got robbed. Hey, <laughs> we can't like look into it too much. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know them. These are the characters we're focused on. Seth is looking for his faith to be restored in Chrismica and that was it. I guess that was the big, that was the big Chrismica miracle. It broke the spell right. for Ryan. Yeah. He's in, <laughs> in the Cohen Chrismica universe now. Yep. Yep. He was finally able to kind of like put that behind him now. So Seth exits to get ready to talk to Anna. And then we cut to the Cohen's backyard. And this was a, this was a kind of a clever scene the way that they shot this. They do a single shot. I mean, they cut around a little bit, but the, it opens with a single shot of Seth saying, I just want to be friends to Anna, but they seamlessly like swap Anna and Summer out. So you get the sense that he is telling both of them the same thing, that he just wants to be friends with both of them. Um, he, I said it was I said it was our artsy shot of the, of the episode. This is the but, artsy shot for sure. Do we have a drop for that? Yeah. Uh, arm wrestling classic. Arm wrestling classic. Mark it. Arm wrestling classic. <laughs> Um, 
he hands them both their presents, but neither of them want to be friends, so they hand the presents back to Seth. Later, Seth sits alone with both gifts, and he says, you can never have too many copies of The Goonies, to which I say, yes, you can. One is, <laughs> one is fine. <laughs> Two is too many. Two is, yes, one too many. <laughs> um, so then we go over to the Cohen's front door. Kirsten opens the door for Cal, which, like, why doesn't he just walk in? It's his house. It's my house. I bought it. Yeah, I want to watch the game. Tony <laughs> Romo's playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> On Christmas Eve. <laughs> I actually don't know what day it is. It's like supposed to be like two weeks before Christmas, right? Or like a week before Christmas, something? I don't know. I don't know. Timeline. companies fuzzy. have their Christmas parties? You guys work for a company. Well, at, so Seth, at the beginning of the episode, Seth, we did our company Christmas party like early December. So I'm guessing this is, I think at some point it said that it's two weeks before Christmas. I'm not too sure. But if there need to be at they're least. Still in, they're still in school. So. Yes. They're, so they're, they're not out on Christmas break yet. And there still needs to be eight days be- leading up to Christmas in order for Christmaca to work. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't happened yet. I would assume we're early in the season since we don't actually see them celebrate Hanukkah or Christmas. Correct. And they were just getting their tree at the beginning, right. and that was only like a day ago. So yeah, let's call it early December, whatever. Um, so yeah, Caleb walks in. He's there with Kirsten in their house. He comes in hot. He's saying he could have fired Kirsten. He could have sued her. She's like, you could have told me about the survey. And Caleb's all like, it was dishonest, calculating, and ruthless. Kiki, we just might make a real estate mogul out of you yet. Ah, He's proud of her. He's proud of her for going behind his back. <gasps> and 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 he she's responsible for him losing $250 million. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all, but it's a good moment for him. Like it's like a it's it's like yeah he's like he could be pissed about this but instead he's just like proud of his daughter and I'm like mm. okay I'm not mad at you cow um he notes that uh the ornaments on the tree are her mother's his his deceased wife and Kirsten says there may be a gift under there for you maybe and it's like a sweet little moment between them this father daughter who are always at it odds with each other but they're having like a little heart-to-heart moment here i have a question for both of you okay what does kirsten get caleb for christmas a tony romo jersey (laughs) (laughs) i don't know okay good answer Uh, uh, i think she goes classy i think she gets him like a, a fine set of cufflinks Oh yeah, he's definitely mm. a cufflink guy. Good for good for meetings when he's squeezing the blood out of stones. <laughs> it's good for business, yeah. Small blood squeezing cufflinks. Um, how about Tony Romo cufflinks? Let's there go we that. go. What number is he? Ooh, I think he was number nine. Okay, so it's yes. just number... Troy Aikman was number eight. Little, he was number nine. Little number nine cufflinks. That's what they are. 
Tony, Tony loves him. He yeah. fucking loves him. He cries <laughs> when he gets. <laughs> so then we cut over to the pool house. Sandy comes in with his fucking Berkeley sweatshirt. I'm like, I love Weekend Sandy. I love it when he busts out the Berkeley sweatshirt. <laughs> so used to seeing him in a suit, but he's just like, yo, it's Sunday. We just got done with that, that Christmas party. I just really stuck it to Caleb Nickel. I'm chilling today, baby. I'm putting on the Berkeley sweats. Pop on that Berkeley sweatshirt, bro. It's a very cute look for Sandy Cohen. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite look. Um, he asks Ryan if he wants to watch a movie. Ryan says that Marissa has her first therapy session and he should go with her. Sandy says, you could or not. He says, Marissa's got to figure this out for herself, and you got to let her. You're with us now. You don't have to be the parent anymore. Which Ooh. was a, another, like, Ooh. weeping moment for me. God like, it's it. always it's always Sandy and Ryan. It's like, they, I know, like, and I do think, like, everybody in this family has a really nice dynamic with each other. Like, we were talking about Kirsten and Seth, but, like, Sandy and Ryan, man, those that it always gets me because it's always yeah, it's always Sandy being the dad that Ryan never had to him, and and just you know, father of the year by miles, you know, <laughs> like he's he's the Dude, best. Fucking awesome! I I said uh, yeah, I said Sandy gives Ryan a mini dad speech. Like this wasn't a full blown Sandy Cohen speech. Yeah, but it was just like just a few sentences that. Did the job. Oh, like, absolutely. Really, really uh, nailed it. He's concise. He's, he's a lawyer. He's got a way with words. Uh, so Ryan says, movie, huh? And then Sandy's like, yeah, but I'm picking. And then they exit together. And I love them. I love them so <laughs> they much. They walk out to him going, the, the, picking the right movie is an art. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of just, he's, uh, Peter Gallagher's ad-libbing and it just kind of like fades out as they're walking away. It's so great. I love so, this so much. You just know that Sandy Cohen has like a philosophy on everything in life and yes. he's about to like lay it down for Ryan. Like, yes. yes. Oh, it's the best. Picking the right frozen pizza <laughs> is an art. Everything's an art. <laughs> You know, taking a shower is an art form. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta start at the top and work your way down. <laughs> um, Ryan's like, I know how to shower. Why are you teaching me how to take a shower? Because I'm your father now. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go over to the therapist's waiting room. Marissa enters. She's uncomfortable. Ooh, she ooh, sits. Mitchell, yes. if I could, yes, please. If I, if I just could, oh, please do. I, to the best of my ability, I wrote down my thoughts on this scene as they were happening. Oh, good. Um, okay. And I'd like to, I'd like to read them for you two right now. Would you like me to describe what happens and then you react or how do you want to do this? No, no, I'm pretty descriptive. I, I think you'll, you'll get the, the gist. So Marissa. Take it away. You know, yeah. We see her. She's walking into her therapy office and I think. Man, I am all for this. I'm glad Marissa is going to therapy. I think this will be good for her. You know, I think for her to be able to like talk to somebody about her parents getting divorced and how she's, you know, trying to deal with it in different ways. And oh, God fucking damn it! There's Oliver in the fucking waiting room! Fucking shit ass! Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> 
man. Oh, yeah. I can't say that I didn't have a similar reaction. <laughs> He's the Thanks. worst. I hate him so much. Rachel, as, as someone who's watched the OC multiple times, how do you feel about Oliver Trask? <laughs> I had a visceral reaction to seeing his face and realizing this is when we meet the horrible character of Oliver. On Chrismica. On Chrismica, <sighs> no less. In the lobby of Marissa's therapist's office. And it just gives me the full body shivers. I don't think I even had to see his... I think like the shot is like Marissa walks over and you just see like his foot like on in the Ooh. foreground or something. And I was just like, oh no. And his like baggy I th- pants. I thought we had at least one more episode before we had to deal with him. I mean, like, we I don't like, really have to deal Eve with him. Episode, yeah, so he's, he's, that's he's, when we meet him. I was like, man... He's ruining Christmas <laughs> already. Yeah, a, a beautiful episode that is Ugh. now uh, like a sour, sour taste in my mouth for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I would say let's talk about this piece of shit. Okay, a bit. <laughs> right, well let's 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 walk through the scene and then we can talk. We can talk to what a piece of shit he is immediately, like only having known him for a few seconds at this point. And then yes, we can talk about what a piece of shit he is like through the rest of the series. Because I forgot really like the first interaction they have is weird and creepy. Yeah. And immediately. Yeah. I forgot that. I thought that like he, the creepiness kind of happens over time, but it was like, no, in this scene, yes. What he says, yes. And she totally just like disregards it. Brushes it it's off. It's fucking weird. Also, there's another Dandy Warhol song playing over this scene, Ugh. and I didn't like this song either. Nope. I think I think I just don't like that band. Also, Oliver and the Dandy Warhols together makes me grind my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> like nails on a chalkboard, and then whatever the visual representation of nails on a chalkboard is, seeing Oliver. So, yes. Um. Marissa sits down, and across from her sits a boy around her age that looks like he might be terrible. Marissa's all... Or looks like he might be the singer of Panic at the Disco. <laughs> yes, I can't tell which. <laughs> or, like, are those two mutually exclusive? Um, they might be the same. So, Mar- yeah, Marissa's all squirmy. She gets up to leave, and as soon as the boy opens his mouth it is confirmed that he is in fact terrible he says came here three times before i actually walked through that door it's like how long did you have that line in your head before you said it out loud Uh, don't talk to people in waiting rooms he says he especially (laughs) at a therapist's office right that's a personal place uh he says that he knows her from school. He's like, you do all the events and stuff, but she doesn't know him. That's because he reveals to her, he doesn't go to her school, but he yes. knows her from her school. Why does he know what clubs she is in if he doesn't go to Harbor? What a she, creep. I'm saying. He goes, you're the social chair at Harbor, right? And she goes, yeah. Do you go to Harbor? And he goes, no, I go to Pacific. And she doesn't ask any questions. She's just like, huh, okay. I guess I'm I guess I'm popular. 
I don't know any of the student body, whatever, of the school I went to, like, <laughs> let alone another fucking school. Oof, yeah. This is incredibly creepy. How does he know around. so much yeah. about her? And she's just like, oh, yeah, I guess everybody knows the social chair of everybody. Everybody like, knows Marissa fuck? Cooper. <laughs> Marissa, so like Marissa's embarrassed to be there. And and then Oliver starts acting like the therapist. He's like, "What's wrong with you?" He's like getting he's getting very personal very quickly. It's um, the creepy like I can diagnose you. Yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. And then he does the whole. Well, Marissa says like, "If I knew what was wrong with me, I wouldn't be here." And then he proceeds to like tell her her whole life story because he's like omniscient or he like broke into her room and read her diary. I don't know. Like it is eerie and creepy how, how much he knows about her. I think we're supposed as the audience, we're supposed to think like, Oh, this kid's so smart that he can just kind of intuit like, uh, like, like everything that Marissa's been through. Um, and it's it kind of it in a way it's kind of like when Anna was introduced where she's just like perfect for Seth and you're just like wait a second she just came out of nowhere and she's all of a sudden amazing but I would replace tread, tread lightly Mitchell if you're about to compare Oliver to Anna <laughs> well I was going to but I would replace where Anna is charming Oliver is creepy like that's the <laughs> yes. difference of. Um, uh, someone exits uh, from one of the the offices, and Oliver tells Marissa that he's that that's her door. He's waiting on the other door. There's two like two offices, I guess there, and so Marissa goes in. So like, yeah, are, are you guys? I mean, I know we've all seen the show before, but can you recall like your initial feelings about Oliver in the scene? Like, how did? I, I'm just curious, like, if you can. If you can go back to that first time watching this, how you felt about this kid. I think I knew he was trouble. Right from the jump. No good could come from this interaction. Yeah. And if I were to armchair psychoanalyze Oliver at first glance, I might have to say he's like possibly on the spectrum based on some lack of social awareness and appropriateness um cues of the situation sure which would not be a negative but maybe he's got some stuff going on yeah that that leads him to miss some important social cues that are happening around him right and it's odd that like him kind of like breaking down the social barriers and jumping straight into like marissa's psyche by trying to diagnose her just purely based on the fact that they are both in a therapist's waiting room it's, yeah, it's it's very disturbing. <laughs> and um, I think Marissa kind of reads it as like, oh, he like cuts through the bullshit. Like he gets like, I think that's why she's like attracted to him or like into him or whatever. Like she humors it because she's like, oh, it's just no, no, fr- like he gets me or whatever. But like what it really is, 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 yeah, him being, being a creep and uh, I I when I saw this, my initial thought was like he said he's waiting on the other door. I was like he doesn't even have an appointment. He's like stalking Marissa because he knew so much about her. I was like he was stalking yes. her, and he just like showed up here, at just to, so he could talk to her and like kind of like plant the seed or whatever. You know what I mean? But 
I'm interested to, and we'll find out because, uh, sorry, everybody, the Oliver era is upon us now. And for the next five episodes, I don't know how long it is, but we have to deal with this piece of shit. Our listeners and, are uh, going to just like drop. Like you're just going to see yeah. it. <laughs> like, nobody. <listens laughs> sorry to guys. Bear with us. We're going to come out of this thing and we're going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> but it, I, like I said, I forgot that like he, just immediately rattles off these facts about her. And I don't know if there's ever any closure as to like why he like picked her. Cause I agree. I don't think he's there for, for a therapy session. Like I think he's, he's just there because he's now he's like going to latch onto her and you know, he just like makes up a bunch in the next couple episodes. He just like makes up this girlfriend and like, you know, you never meet her and he like uses it to get close to Marissa. And I, my first reactions when I saw this kid, from what I can remember, uh, first watching and even re like at the beginning of the quarantine, I, I rewatched the whole show and, uh, there was, I don't remember, I remember like this scene, but I don't remember it being so creepy. And then I remember not really being totally creeped out about him until one of the next couple episodes ends with all like all the, the main friends like hanging out at the Cohen's house and Oliver's like outside. Yes. Like watching them. Yeah. Remember that? Yep. That's when I was like, this dude is fucking bad news. He is. But now it's like, uh, he was bad news from the jump. He was. The signs were all there. But there's never any closure about why he's like, I chose you, Marissa Cooper, because... And I guess, I don't know if there needs to be. I was just glad that... I'm glad that he leaves at a certain point. (laughs) I'm so glad to get rid of him. Yeah. I also... I think they really wanted to, like, make a... Have a creepy, suspenseful arc in the show, which... Good idea, but this dude sucks and it doesn't, I I can't be scared by him. I just hate him so much. <laughs> Everything he says, I'm just like, fuck you. Yeah. He yeah. has one of those faces. That's just easy to hate on, on yeah. first sight. <laughs> yes, very punchable. Well, let's not let Oliver ruin Chris Mika. Let's jump back over to the uh, Cohen's living room. Seth's kind of, uh, it's going to take a pretty, uh, it's going to take a pretty, uh, important family Christmas scene for me to get out of this uh, hole that I'm in right now. Do you have one for me? Hey, if anyone can do it, it's the Coens. <laughs> so we open with, uh, with bright eyes, blue Christmas. I didn't even have to look it up. That voice is unmistakable <laughs> to which I'm like, remember the bright eyes Christmas album. I never did listened guys, to did it. You guys listen to it. The, the, the thing that's good about bright eyes is not his voice. <laughs> And that's kind of all a Christmas album is. It's just like you hear this person sing the song you've heard a million times. The thing mm-hmm. that's good about Bright Eyes is like the songwriting and like the stories that he tells and stuff. Uh, so to hear him do a cover of Blue Christmas, I was like, not interested. I'll just I'll just listen yeah. to the classics. But it's appropriate for this because it's it's one of the gifts that Seth packages. It's mentioned in the episode and. Seth's a little emo boy in this scene, so it's perfect. Um, I I really liked 
the song for this scene. It worked. Like, You're right. I, I, it, like so many songs and so many OC episodes, the way that they piece it all together fucking works great. It's a good arrangement. I'll give it that. And it did. It works. It works very nicely for this scene. So Seth's moping. Ryan enters to hang up his stocking. And Seth perks up. And then Sandy and Kirsten enter with movies. And Sandy says, what'll it be? Fiddler on the Roof? It's a Wonderful Life? Is that a drop? Do we drop that? Because that's kind of a mashup. Fiddler on the Roof and then It's a Wonderful... You got Christmas, you got Hanukkah? Or you got... Yep. I think so. But also, he's about to say... <laughs> you can just play the whole clip. Because <laughs> he's about to say the drop. <laughs> or my personal selection... Sylvester Stallone's Over the Top. And Seth says, Isn't that that arm wrestling movie? Arm wrestling classic. <laughs> You've heard it a few times already, but this is the moment where <laughs> Sandy Cohen delivers Fucking a great Stallone stellar impression. Stallone. Is there anything that Peter Gallagher can't do? <laughs> no. <laughs> there isn't. Also, the fact that he picked over the top after explaining to Ryan that movie picking a movie is an art form, and he was like, "It's Christmas time. Let's go, Fiddler on the Roof. It's a Wonderful Life. Over the top. <laughs> Naturally, uh, I think we should work it into our to our Christmaca tradition this year. Whenever December rolls around, we should have a. I've over the top I have something watching really party. embarrassing to admit to you guys. I've never watched over the top before. <gasps> I was going to ask you guys if this was like a classic movie that I had missed out on, but I guess I'm not the only one. <laughs> well, it's an arm wrestling oh, yeah. classic. You're really missing out. Uh, I know. I don't know what you guys watch for Hanukkah, but for Christmas, we watch over the top. Yeah, yeah not that. Mostly eight crazy nights. <laughs> it's not a great movie. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone is a trucker who has to arm wrestle for the custody of his son. It's kind of the on Christmas plot. or no? Nothing to do with Christmas, as far as I remember. <laughs> that makes me love it more. I know it makes me really wonder the the methodology behind Sandy's selection here. But also, I can picture my dad going back when you went to rent movies and coming home with over the top thinking the family will all watch this and everyone will like it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) We'll all be on board with this. (laughs) I'd like to think that they did watch it and they did all like it, especially Ryan. It's an arm wrestling classic. Yeah. So, um, Seth gives Kirsten and Sandy his summer and Anna gifts. Which, bad idea, because they're going to open it and well, be they, like... They both look fuck. so happy yeah. that he got them gifts. Just kind of whatever. He's just like, hey, here's some secondhand gifts that are both the same thing, and you guys are probably going to open them at the same time and be like, oh, he got us both the same thing. Whatever. Which uh, of the three albums... I guess we don't know which Bright Eyes or Shin's albums... Uh, they got, but of, of, we know it's transatlanticism. Cause you see, um, in the earlier scene when he's wrapping the gifts, you see the artwork yeah. with the like Raven with the string. So that's death cap for cutie transatlanticism of those three albums. Which one is Sandy liking the most? 
I think Sandy's a uh, Shins guy, probably. I think they're both Shins. Shins is like, like my dad likes the Shins. Like I went and saw the Shins with my dad. My dad, I, my dad, Aww. we went and saw Bright Eyes with my dad, but he wasn't into Bright Eyes. He was just like, right. I don't know, this isn't for me. But the Shins is the Shins are dad music. <laughs> Dads can get into that. Rachel Mitchell's dad took us when we were in high school to Athens to go see Bright Eyes because we were too young to get in by ourselves. And it was the coolest thing ever. That's adorable. I, <laughs> I, I think I've seen all of these bands with my dad at some point. So oh, wow. a little parallel lives. Your dad's cool, though. Your dad's a musician. Yeah, my dad's I cool. I mean, my dad's oh, cool, awesome. too. But your dad, like, gets it. You know, he gets it. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> Would your dad be stoked to get this uh, package of gifts from Seth Cohen? Uh, realistically, he would be the one giving that to me. Like, this this is the Rob Plattner starter kit. Learn up, because this is what you're going to be listening to for the next 18 years. (laughs) Nice. Excellent, Rob. Well played. Um, all right. So, Ryan, Ryan finishes hanging his stocking, and the family goes to watch... be doing all right. (laughs) The family goes to watch the Christmas classic over the top. The music swells, and we cross-dissolve on a Chrismica photo of the Coens. It reads, Happy Chrismica, Sandy, Kirsten, Seth, and Ryan. Oh, which, tears. Which you can see <laughs> in, like, numerous episodes from here on out is, like, that picture's on their fridge forever, and it's oh, just it. seeing it for the first time in this episode. When Ryan, like, because Ryan hangs up his stocking, and then he, like, turns around to them, and then he just kind of gives like a psh, whatever kind of like smile and walks off. And I, man, I was, was I waterworks <laughs> in my eyes. And then we, uh, then we go to credits, and that's the best Christmas ever, you guys. We did it. Best Christmas ever. All right, Rachel. We do at the end of every episode. This is very important. We decide who. The OC MVP of this episode is who was the star who grew the most, just who stands out to you the most in this episode. And this one was tricky for me. Me too. I, to me, I think the clear winner is Kirsten because we really see her stand up, show where her morals lie, where her loyalties lie. And they're with her family, with Sandy and I think we just see Kirsten make a lot of good choices here. I'm really proud of her. Yes, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. I think Kirsten had a very strong showing this episode. <laughs> and she, she really like moved the needle. I know like Sandy, Sandy's always a contender because Sandy always We're has We're always going to be like, should it be Sandy? But we have to be able to <laughs> step back. I mean, it's a we discussion. We love Sandy Cohen so much. Yeah, I would I would say Kirsten, uh, definitely in the running. I'm trying to think of somebody else who might be up there too. I lo- I I said Ryan, but I I Rachel, I like your argument for Kirsten way better than what I had for Ryan. So I'm I'm very cool with that. Yeah, let's go with Kirsten. Kirsten, oh. congratulations! I think this is the second time that she's. One, I know she won it for episode three. I'm trying to think if there was another one, but no, I think that's two for Kirsten. She's, right. a, she's a double winner so far. 
Congrats, Kiki. Oh, Keeks. All right. Well, that does it, guys. That's episode 13 of season one of the OC, the best Christmaca ever. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Rachel for joining us as our guest. Rachel, is there anything you want to plug? I don't know. No, just Merry Christmaca, all. <laughs> just along for the ride. Merry Christmaca. Rachel, you're welcome to come back anytime. Anytime. Thank this you. Is so much fun. Anytime you have three hours to kill. <laughs> <laughs> Which during quarantine is really all the time. So uh, thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can write us an email, jandmitchellstheocpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, it'd be lovely if you left us a review or subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes or whatever. We'd appreciate it. And you got anything else, Jay? No, uh, I hope everybody is doing well and uh thank you so very much for listening and uh it's august but have a merry christmaca yeah and until next time we will oh see see you later This podcast is a Kitty Wing production.